don't. Don't open that box. What have you done? You shouldn't have opened it. You shouldn't have opened it. Open Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents. The mystery box. Mm. Ooh, What's in it? Spooky. Well, the mystery box is a box that is full of DVDs, uh, things that I have that we have found from who? Op- we are Ryan. We? Yeah. Who I, are we? We're spin polish. Yeah, but what's our names? Uh, I'm Ryan. Oh, I'm Bartek. Hi, Bartek. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you, Ryan? I'm all right. I I did the mystery box. So I'm feeling pretty pretty. <laughs> well, we're doing it now. I'm feeling pretty pumped. So we have a box that's full of DVDs that have been found secondhand. They are from op shops, cash converters, the gutter maybe. And we watch the whatever is chosen at random, and we watch it with having never heard or seen of it before, not knowing anything about it. Bartek, what did we do? This episode. What did we do to deserve this? You mean? <laughs> <laughs> what did we do, Bartek? What did we? What did we have to watch? Well, we look. We just have to get right in there. The thing that we watched this time was a film called Stardust. Oh, you the the one from two thousand seven, directed by Matthew Vaughn with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as a witch. Not That's that a one. weird choice, because I think I've seen that one before. I think most people have. Nope, not that one. Oh, not that one? Nope. Some other one? Some other one. <laughs> Some other one that's not related to that. Nope. We don't do this alone. We do have a guest joining us, and the guest had the honour and responsibility of having to choose from our box a film at random, and, and he chose Stardust. Everyone put your hands together at home, because you should be applauding. It is Will Brooks. Hello, listening people. Hello. It was it was a real choice. <laughs> I chose. It was like a one in ten choice or something. Uh, right? One in twelve. One in a million, honestly. Because <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So let's 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 just dive into to, to, to Stardust. Okay. First off, I found this. Mm-hmm. I found this. I was at an op shop. We had already done the show for a few episodes, and I was looking to replenish the box, and I saw this, and I went. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. But then add salt even more into the wound. I have two copies of this. One is in another Mystery Box DVD, which is a DVD pack, mm. which has other movies and Stardust. So I own two. <laughs> I own two copies of Stardust, which is uh, something. You'll have to so- find out which version's better. <laughs> if we pick that one and that's the first one on there, I guess we'll have to watch it again. There could be a director's cut. I would love if there's a director. I would love if there was a director. If it has more than play, movie, and scene selection, then I guess that's the superior one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I found this. The cover jumped out at me like they always do with this show. Because it's one of these covers in which it's bright yellow. Yeah, there's a lot of yellow. It's so yellow. It just wants to jump out at you. And and you get this tagline, this amazing tagline, which... Once having seen the movie, it really is one of those taglines that makes you think. Yeah. 
Charlie and Ricky are about to be sucked into an adventure into the adventure of a lifetime. Mm. That's its tagline at the top, all in black, just normal font. No, nothing exciting like the font they use in the yeah, opening but credits. Black font on yellow background, which works. I, I can it does, read it. Yeah. I, I can read it. Yeah, but uh, Barta, could you do the description of of this amazing uh, cover? I mean, I think you can tell why it caught my eye. Yeah, so this is one where most of it is an image. It's yeah. it's not so much like uh, when we did Finding Emo and it was mostly bl- it was an image, but it was mostly just darkness. Yes, this is image of people. Yeah, so basically it borders bordered around it is yellow and with some text on it at the top, which is the tagline, and the bottom are PG, which is. Uh, you know, parental guidance recommended for persons under 15 years. We assumed that simply meant, oh, that's just the general rating of there's nothing in it to stand out making it PG. (laughs) It's a well-earned PG, isn't it? It's so well-earned. Yeah. But then the middle, like, 80% of it is an image. We have in the background, it's set in, it's... It's hard to tell the location because it's mostly characters on the cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're in some dark room of some sort, and in the back of there, there are two character, three characters on this cover, mm. or so we thought. Um, in the back, <laughs> there is the adult of the main adult of the film. Main adult? I wouldn't even call him that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I, I guess the main adult good guy that we just don't see as much at certain points. We'll get into that, but what does he look like? Does he look well, like... Uh, what, well, what Ryan, kind of if you he? squint or look from a distance, he looks a bit like Jackie Chan, in my opinion. <laughs> he looks exactly like Jackie Chan. And then when you look closer, you realise, oh, okay, it's not Jackie Chan, it's just some Asian guy. But then, as <laughs> but then, Ryan, as you pointed out, the more you look at it, the more you realise, oh, wait... He's not Asian. <laughs> and then when you actually watch the film, it turns out he's Polish. <laughs> it was the biggest journey of our lives. <laughs> not Jackie Chan, Polish guy. Not Jackie Chan, just some Asian guy. Wait, he's not Asian. Oh, he's Polish. He looks so Asian on the cover. <laughs> It's because there is some yellow lighting on his face. <laughs> he's got this haircut, and he's a scientist, because that's also the thing. He's in a, in a lab coat. Yeah. So you're like, oh, Asian scientist man. Okay, great. Yep. And then in front of him, in pretty much the middle of the frame, are two young boys who are working on this machine that's sparkling, and you can't really tell that one of the boys is black and one of them's white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a post-racial cover. <laughs> <laughs> There's an Asian guy, a white kid and a black kid, but when you look at the Asian guy more, the more white he becomes. So yep. they're working on some kind of gizmo contraption. Yeah, it looks like, um, you know those old school, like, barbecuing... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Machines, barbecues, barbecues, yeah. barbecues. Yeah, like the red, the red one that looks kind of like a dome, and you like open it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks kind of like that, but much bigger. And we learn in the film that it's a, it's a vacuum. Oh, good. But up, but Bartek, yeah. Does it have the title of the movie in appropriate font? Yeah, yeah. At, at the at the bottom of the 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 image of the front cover, which is just above the PG rating, we have Stardust in all capital letters of all different sizes, and it. I know it's not a word art clip art font. <laughs> are, are you completely sure? About yeah, but it looks so. like it looks like it could be one. Exactly. Yeah, it's very like bluey green with a lot of white lines that kind of look like 
a mix between neural neural passageways and lightning. Yeah, which I guess is so poignant in the end product. Yeah, and honestly, I guess you could go into more detail about the cover, but that really covers it all. With this, obviously we picked it, not knowing anything about it. We see the cover, and we always have a... Yeah, I say, have a look at the cover and kind of think what... You, you you think like kind of give thought to what you think the movie's going to be about. Mm. When I grabbed this and I saw this, and I saw them fiddling with this machine, it's called Stardust, and I went, "Okay, crazy Asian scientist guy is like their school teacher mentor guy." Yeah, they're Doc Brown. They're scientists. They I know. thought I thought this is in the movie as well. There's a science fair, and I went, "That's what I thought." I went, "Oh, there's going to be a science fair, and these kids are somehow invented." A spaceship or, or something, because it's Stardust. Yeah, yeah. It's... I thought Time Machine originally, but then I went, now nah, Stardust, it's some kind of spaceship thing. And and, and and the scientist teacher is like, oh my god, and they go on sci-fi wacky adventures yeah, with this or, like yeah. hovercraft or spaceship yeah, or something. Yeah, like a space adventure of some I sort. I thought they'd go to space as well. You did? <laughs> that, was a, that seems to be a consistent theme. I thought the... So-called Asian scientist guy was going to be prominent in the movie. Mm. Um, I didn't factor in he was either of their father, like either of the kids' fathers, like father figure. He yeah. is. Do you want to guess which one, the white kid or the black kid? Uh, you guess at home, listening people. Put it in the comments below what you think the answer is. Um... <laughs> correct answer is the white kid surprisingly oh spoiler it's the white kid but this is one of these movies where for me i just saw it and like okay it's going to be about kids inventing something and it's going to change their lives forever will when you grabbed it was you thought they were going to go to space was you uh, i thought space? aliens might be involved i thought we were going to get some space hijinks here we we got some other stuff <laughs> we got some other stuff there's a lot of science in the film but nothing really to do with space no 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 nothing Not to at do all. with space we're going to places far stranger than space holy ho chi let's jump in to the actual meat the menu the menu it has one which is good mm mm-hmm. mhm and it's a menu where it's just the poster again. No, no, no. It's some different... Im- like, it's like it's like the shot from the poster, but they're like the other photos that they did, like the other versions yeah. that they could have done. And it's purple now. And I it's purple right. now instead of a yellowy colour. So, so yeah, play and scene selection. Yep, two and, options. And we, pr- we pressed play on play. Mm-hmm. And the movie does not start. We get two trailers beforehand. We literally get a title card telling us that we're going to watch previews. For or again, torchlight. No, no, a porchlight film. Yeah, which we had them on for something, didn't we? Yeah, Media Apocalypse. I'm pretty sure it had porchlight film trailers beforehand. We get these trailers for these two movies that I'm pretty adamant are in the mystery box. Oh, yeah, you didn't check. I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure, and they're just like really stupid kids' movies. The first one was like um. It was called Betaville. Betaville. It was all about like. 
in this universe, something happens in Betaville and the adults become silly. The kids will have to save the day and John Aston's in it. The, like the very and Judge Reinhold's in it. The very beginning of that trailer made it seem like it was going to be like a kids camping film. But then as the trailer went on, we barely saw any kids. It also opened up with really bad uh, special effects that made me think of oh, the yeah, Robots yeah. Christmas. And I was like, oh, I guess it's a Robots Christmas. I actually grabbed Will by the knee and went, <gasps> and then it went on. It was like, oh, it's not. I thought, are we getting a trailer for Robots Christmas? That would yeah, be great. I don't know what that was. And then the next one, we only had two trailers. The next one was this really boring kids movie that was like... Oh, like summer... It was called Bored Silly, so... Yeah. It was called Bored Maybe Silly. Maybe it was supposed to be boring. <laughs> and it's just a bunch of kids doing shit on their was, summer holidays was, in America. Yeah, basically like, a very generic looking school's out. Now we can have fun without adults around. So why be lazy when you can get crazy? It's fun in the sun with no adults allowed. I think I'm gonna barf. Bored silly. <laughs> then we do get the movie, but we weren't sure if we were getting the movie because it was just a lot of mm. no title sequences. <laughs> yeah, it just it just cuts to the very first shot of the film. He does stuff. We who does stuff. Uh, he does, right? Who's he? It's the, it's the white boy of the cover. The kid. Yeah. The kid is just typing away on a computer for, like, a solid minute. That's all it is. Like, in some crazy lab in his, you find out in his basement. But it was just, like, a series of shots of it going around showing him typing on his computer. And you're just like, oh. It felt like it could have been an ad for something. I said, oh, is this going to put us... Like, he presses on the computer and it's going to show us the menu because sometimes <laughs> you get menus like that. But I went, we've already had the menu and then we were joking about that. Yeah, I, I think I made the joke that he's watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That wait, was wait. It. Sorry, have we hit the point where there's all the cutting to the robots eating the... No, not yet. No, no, I, not yet. We're well, still... Sorry, this is a difficult yes. beast so, so, to grapple I, with. <laughs> okay. So the movie starts with the main kid just typing on a computer. Which, by the way, we didn't realise at the time was meant to be in media res yeah 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 so he's he's you know he's typing away we make the jokes of oh he's going to be watching the movie or i think i said i said like several things like oh like he's going to press on the computer and it's going to be the menu he's going to press on the computer and it's going to be us sitting there watching him yeah. but basically we were being smart us from the beginning and it was worth it <laughs> because then we get the me- we get the, the, the title because we were complaining yeah. oh this might be a trailer or something because the title hasn't come up but then it i feel like the filmmaker heard us and said oh you want a title sequence do you well i'll give you one that feels like it goes for eternity and you think it ends 15 times (laughs) (laughs) yeah before we even get into the things that it cuts between in the titles because it's one of these ones where it has images and then fades to black and the black has the names of the people can we talk about some of the names of these people (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Um, the font, for one, <laughs> made it very hard to distinguish, like, C's from E's and A's and from G's. I's, uh, A's from O's and stuff. 
There were a lot of Polish names that we kept seeing. There were a couple, yeah. Well, one of them, one of the lead actors who... <laughs> Which we, we, one? We've already, we've already mentioned uh, the... Jackie Chan. The black kid. <laughs> the, 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 the scientist one, the dad. Yeah. His name was like Olek something. Oh, wow. He was Polish, obviously. <laughs> was he? Yeah, and when, when that character started talking and he had an accent, I'm like, oh, I think this is the Polish guy. What do we have here? Hot dog. File code name, Nexus Project. Occurrence date, 10.23. Time, 22 hours, 35 minutes. Today is the dawn of a new age. I have created for the first time a bond between man and machine. Mankind will no longer be the only intelligent beings to inhabit this earth. And they have an appetite. Unlock all Nexus Project files and begin deletion. John. It's Carol. We had an occurrence. The biochip worked. But we have a problem, John. Uh, Arno selling out the project to the military. I'm getting the biochip out of here. Call me. You have no right. What? So you can put it in the hands of the highest bidder? Don't you see, Arno? The biochip isn't property. I developed it for all mankind. And I won't be any part of destroying it and corrupting it. You'll leave my family out of this. And I'll take my chances. I'll be no part of destroying the world they live in. The biotech industries, the technology. You have just witnessed the molecular models we have and calling computer-generated biochips. Charles, where is he? You haven't come to see me. You are still mad at me. No, but we can't discuss specifics. You will trust me. I feel that tonight is too Charles, it's after midnight. I was going to tell you this when I wake up. You know the proposal I've been working on? <laughs> no fooling, you can give a school credit Come on, Charles. What? What is it, Charles? It's about the girl. I remember when I was your age, I had the biggest crush on a girl at the market. She had a smile like But then, of course, you really attached yourself to, I guess, what could be considered the main creative force behind this movie? There were two names that kept being, that kept recurring, and I don't know if they were, like, brother and sister or, like, married. Yeah, husband and wife. They were... Mother and son. It was, like, <laughs> I know it was Janine and James, I think. Yeah. Their, their last name was Loveman. Yeah. <laughs> or was it Menlove? Menlove. Men men love, their so, last yeah. name... Was men love and every, that really stuck yeah, with they were us. like director of photography and producer and a, a writer, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, men love stuck with us because whenever there was really wacky shit in this movie, one of us at some point would go, God, good job, men love the men love clan, the men love clan did it on this one. <laughs> So that's why I wanted to mention it because the men loves really became a character to us while we watched this movie. And here's the thing: this is a movie. Yeah, it is. It's ninety-three minutes, I think. It's something or other. But will, what is what is the stuff that they are cutting between when they're doing these opening credits and they keep fading to black and then they have the text come up? But what is it? The actual footage that is in the movie that they're cutting to? Okay, the footage that they're cutting to. Is these little insectoid robots crawling around eating chips? Yes. Oh well, they're they're getting involved with the chips. I'm not sure <laughs> if we actually see any literal eating. Yeah. Is but it very obvious? Attempts. Is it is it 
straight away obvious that they're little robots eating chips? Well, some of the shots were just of chips, right? And some <laughs> yeah, were just, some of, were just of robots and some were just of chips. But eventually the connection does form. Yeah, and there, and I believe all of these shots were out of focus. Yes, because there's a lot did of they, shots out a, of focus. Did they have a filter going on? No, I think it's just they had a close up of the chips and the light. And they're all on the chips. And all these shots were like done in a white room, right? Yes. Yeah. And we're like, what is happening? And we're like, okay. And then we we all went, oh, well, I guess that part's over because they faded to black, but then we come up again. <laughs> but can we please talk about the music? Because the music in this. Think about this. We're just talking about the opening credits. It had four separate song tracks. In this opening credits, one would end, and you're like, oh, that's the end, because it ended on the fade to black. Okay, and then another would start a completely different type of music. So the first one you would have would be that typical Hollywood kind of orchestral, like, and you're like, okay. And then it will fade out, and then you get... It's just like, what's happening? Man, that I one, forgot all about and then, this. And then it fades out, and then you get like that, like, liar, liar type music kicking, where it's just all like, and it's like, what is happening? And it's just like, that's why we also, other than the fading to black, we kept thinking, oh, this part's over now. And then it would be like, no, it's not. No, it's not. We're still going on these opening credits. We're still here. And you're like, is this... I can put my hands in the air like, when is this going to end? You had to give the, the film this, though. You did recognise one of the names in the credits. Now, this is the shocking thing. I thought when we started the mystery box, I wasn't going to recognise people in these movies. <laughs> Immediately, that was burst... The bubble was burst in the first episode when... Everyone. <laughs> everyone in uh, Frosty the Snowman... Was someone we knew. But this opens up. The headlining star of the movie is the guy who plays Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. Giancarlo Esposito? Yeah. And I was just like, what? He's in this? And since he was the top build guy, and this was, I can tell, way before Breaking... It was before Breaking Bad. And he's always been around, but he's never been a guy that you'd put as a top build actor in anything, I would say. Unless it was after Breaking Bad. So I was like, he's in this... I must be in it a lot then if they have him top build. Nope. He's like, he's in it, but not He's enough. in a few scenes, yeah. He's in like five scenes. A respectable amount, but not really top billing. Not top amount. billing enough. So I was already psyched because there's someone I knew in the movie. Because <laughs> I'm always way more psyched when there's people I know in the movie and I know that they're good. And and this, he didn't let me down. He didn't let me down in this movie. We'll talk about it. He but does a good job. Excuse me, did I hear you say something, Mr. Butts? I hope so, because I did. I said, why bother entering if there's absolutely no prizes? Out of a desire to fulfill your thirst for knowledge, that's what. We go from the opening credits of a robot eating chips, like crisps. And he's just eating yeah, yeah, these. Not, not like the hot chips, not... You know, and then we get slice. introduced to chips are coming to bag. The man who owns those chips, I guess. <laughs> Crisps. <laughs> the aforementioned Jackie Chan scientist guy, who's way more white yeah. when you see him. His name is Carol. Carl, but the, but 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 the everyone else because they don't speak, they don't know how to say it in the Polish yeah, accent. They, they call him Carol. Yeah, that's how you'd pronounce it in English, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so we get introduced to him, and Bartek, tell us a little bit about our Polish MVP. Well, the setting of this first post 
opening credits scene is a lab. And obviously, him being a scientist, it means that he is a person that works in that lab. Yeah. And uh, whoa, this feels like forever ago that we saw this scene. He walks in and he... Does no- he walk in or does he sprint in because there's a red alert? Was there a red alert already at this point? <laughs> it starts, the, the movie al- starts because... The, yeah, the red alert's The going. red alert's happening and he sprints in, but this movie has no sound design. So what should be an intense moment is undercut by the lack of footsteps. Oh yeah, isn't he running in the hall and he runs past a janitor? Who we didn't know was going to be an important character in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he he runs past the janitor and you feel like, you know, there'd be a sound effect of him, like, colliding with him or him reacting, but there's just, like, nothing. Is not, maybe is some this, dramatic music. But... There's music, but it's just very soft, so you get him sprinting, but you don't hear, like, the... There aren't dramatic beats, like, when he hits him, like, this is a doom or something. Or even just, you know, the clothes making noise or the footsteps. Nothing. It's just silence, so there's no intensity to it, so we're automatically like, okay... This is where we're at, but yeah, he's his re- the janitor's reaction was basically like, did I just hear a noise in the distance? <laughs> level? Yeah, scientist man Jackie Chan, I'll call him. Yeah. <laughs> he's running to the lab because there's a red alert. But go on, I know it feels like so long ago because this movie, for those obviously who haven't seen it, which I hope is everyone, uh, but also at the same time, I hope you see it. This film is like ninety was it ninety seven minutes long or whatever, and it, it like feels yeah. like four years long, but it's funny as, and it feels like there's just you're on some kind of mad fever dream. It was a trip, yeah. And I know I've said that a few times on this show, but really this. This one feels like some I bad be- fever dream. I believe when you open up the DVD box, it does give you a name of all the scenes. One of them, I think, is called The Trip, but really the whole film it is, is The Trip. And then that's followed by The Chase, in case you wanted to know. <laughs> so from my memory, he enters the lab and he looks around a bit confused and he sees a chip bag <laughs> <laughs> with some kind of robot, little robot insectoid yeah, machine, th- just like scurrying around in it <laughs> just fucking munging on these chips we, but I don't know if they, I think he was just rolling around in them basically but that little insectoid robot it really reminds me of when I was a kid mm. schools sometimes would like have these little magazines in which you could like order like these kind of toys and some of them were like little homemade robot toys and that's yeah. what it reminded me of it's like this film was like my son's got one of these cool robot toys yeah, we could use that for the movie. And when it's when it moves, it's not like a very fluid thing. It's it's very much an old uh, older type of thing where you know, like the legs move, they stop, and then you know, a little stop, and then the next legs <laughs> move, like that kind of. So so he he finds this little robot eating chips. He, yeah, he, he grabs it, of course. Yeah, and we don't know necessarily yet if he knows what it is or not no we aren't sure but because he's so weirdly he's such a weird actor yeah <laughs> but um so so it, it, all the the computer's going off red alert red alert yeah he, he places the robot on this like stand thing so that it can't move it's like legs just yeah or nothing and he opens it up and there's something that i think we thought it was flesh or something yeah it looked organic at first i thought it was like oh is that like a quartz yeah. Stone or something, but no, you, one of you pointed out that it was flesh, and it really did kind of look it, fleshy. And it, that, that it, it was. Flesh. It's yeah. flesh. So the computer's it's meat. Go, but come on, so he goes to the computer and he has to type in the password to his computer. 
<laughs> to shut this alarm off. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was typing a password or he was naming, like, a project. Yeah, I thought he was naming this robot. Because, this abo- because above where you type, it said operation. But he's turning well, off his computer's alarm. Was his alarm. password the same, and they also named a project the same thing? Maybe? It's a bit because, of a ride, this because film. It's for, hard to remember parts Because for a while, I, I think you might remember, we were referring to the machine as Operation Hot Dog. <laughs> because his password is Hot Dog. I, I swear both his password <laughs> and the Operation were Hot Dog, but, but the, I don't know if I'm losing my Will, marbles. Where does the, the living dog called Hot Dog factor into all of this? <laughs> the dog that appears in two scenes at the beginning and you never I think see you're it again. getting way ahead of we're, we're, we're skipping to one scene more we haven't finished the opening biotech prologue sequence Ryan we haven't met Butts we haven't met Arno we haven't met American Guy you want to go straight to the dog <laughs> we haven't met Tex yet <laughs> who the hell's Tex like, I don't remember <laughs> was Tex the American guy? <laughs> this movie was a fucking dream. So, what have we been up to today? Mm-hmm. He goes to the little robot and he opens it. He has it open and he there's this chip in there. And he's like, my God, it works. And you're like, what is it, man? What, what does it work? And I think he does give a little exposition speech to himself. Yeah. About like... I did it. The biochip works. And then he runs over to the phone and he phones up his friend and he's like, it works. And and then he hungs up the phone. He's like, I got to tell the boss and he runs to the boss. And before we even get to see him run to the boss, it does hard cut to the boss because by the way, editing in this perfect. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have a whole episode dedicated to the editing, I feel. Editing, framing, introducing (laughs) characters in a scene. So so we get introduced to his boss who looks like a a gangster at first. To me, he looked like some kind of gangster. He's all in black. He's got this uh, lighting from this lamp on his desk that's making him look ominous. But you have this Texan cowboy (laughs) behind him talking about like, I want these biochips and I want them now. And the guy's like, they, and then the guy, he starts talking and he's got this British accent. And the, the text is talking to him very intimately. He's well, like right up against <laughs> his ear. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Looks like he's about to kiss his ear. I think when we upload this episode, we have to show like some screenshots. And we're about to get some man. Page. Looks like you're about to get some man love on screen. <laughs> so he's threatening this, this, the boss and the boss is a British guy. And he's just like, the biochips will be ready when they are ready. <laughs> and the Texas leans in, grabs him by the shoulder, leans in, and he looks like he's about to kiss him all the year. And he's like, I want him now for the military. <laughs> and then the Polish guy, Jackie Chan, he's he's conveniently at the open doorway, and he hears it, and he says out loud, with an earshot of these two people, to himself, <gasps> Military? No! (laughs) (laughs) Military? No! That's not what I want. They're going to use it for evil. I won't let that happen. And then sprints away again. Bumping into the janitor again. And then he phones up his friend again, being like, Yo, they want to use it for the military. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to sabotage these people and steal this chip. But little did he know 
janitor, the big fat janitor guy, is listening. And he sprints away, and Will, I think it was you, going, why is he going to the boss? Why does it matter to him? He's just a janitor. But little did we know that this janitor was going to be an important part of the story. Yeah, for the oh, first yeah. half, I guess. Stardust yeah. fucking showed me. <laughs> <laughs> because it has probably one of my favorite out-of-context lines in a movie. In one, like in oh, these was movies. this when someone was calling for him, the janitor? <laughs> he knocks on the door, and he goes... Uh, Mr. What was his name? The British guy? Um, Arno? Arno. Yeah, Arno. Mr. Arno. And just, you don't even see Arno on screen. You just hear him off screen say, What is it, butts? It's just a sudden revelation. (laughs) Suddenly saying butts out of nowhere, and we're meant to just calmly analyse that and say, (laughs) Oh, that's the last name of the janitor. I thought it was something different for a little while. I'm like, okay, he's British and he's gay, I guess. I guess that's what he's like. So we go from that brilliant scene and the British bad guy figures it out and he's like, well, that's it. I'm, I'm going to go and get my henchmen that we only see really for a brief period of time. And, and during this Kurtz whole sequence, <laughs> during this whole sequence, our main character, Carol, has run away and he's been de- he's had his computer delete yeah. uh, all the data for whatever project they were working and, on. And, and that computer would out loud talk about like its progress in deleting yeah, things. Yeah, and he took the biochip. And he took the biochip. Which is the MacGuffin of the movie. Yes. He takes a biochip, runs away, but I love when he gets the henchman and he's just like runs down. He's like, is Carol still in the building? And someone's like, no, he just left. And he's like, well, you better bring him back. Go get, go get grub. Cans <laughs> <Go get laughs> and curds. What? Curdles or fucking something. What? <laughs> two henchmen. Like curds and grub. He has two henchmen. And he goes... Go get Kearns and Kearns. That's one of them. And Grub. Kearns and Grub. That's their names. That's their given names. I'm going to name you Kearns and you're Grub. Oh, boy. Then we have the evil British guy set fire to his own building. To show him, I yeah, guess. you get a little sequence of him spreading some petrol around, <laughs> gasoline. And the look on his face when he puts that match and lights he it. Drops an ID card on the ground of Carol, I believe. Yeah, of Carol. To, yeah. to frame him for arson. Yeah, because well, it won't yeah. get burnt, as one of you pointed out when we were watching the film. Yeah, I was like, oh, that, that'll get burnt up because the whole building catches fire. Yep. He puts it right, right next Cat- to the fire. Yeah, he sets the lab on fire. We get a shot of it burning and then we get a police officer... <laughs> yeah, 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 the police officer. Sorry, it's a, it's a shot of Carol sitting in his car and from the perspective of the outside of the window, police officer gets him to roll down the window and... Torch in his face. Torch in his face. <laughs> and I believe calmly arrests him? Yeah. Oh, like... wait, 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 guys, we've missed a critical scene here. Oh, when... did we? When Jackie Chan gets back to his house, he hides the bio chip yeah, that is behind his yes, family photo. Yes. And then either Kearns or Grub, we don't know which one. It's like, like he politely asks him, where's the chip? And he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to give it up. So he's like, I'm not going to play polite anymore. And he's like, very, very 
sort of very gently, like, sort of throws some of the books on. He just shelf. tips over some of the books on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> Not even the whole shelf. But then the movie heard Will's complaint by him. Will was like, yeah, I said, what? He didn't smash the family photo? He, he gently puts the family photo down. And I'm like, what? He's not going to smash it. And then he sort of gently steps on it he right steps afterwards. On, yeah, he steps on it, but that doesn't break it. So he has to put some extra force to crack it. He doesn't, like, slam his foot. He just puts pressure on his already foot, on his foot that's already on the ground. From, from my perspective, it almost looked like... Because the... It took so long for it to break. It almost looked like a jump cut to it already broken. Yeah, oh, but... So, yeah, yeah, the... the oh, so ca- now the biochip's fallen off the back of the family photo. It's in the carpet. And it's That's set, plot it's, important. It's setting it up. He's hid the chip, but they've got him. But then the thing I get confused by was they got him, right? Where did he go when they got him? The Yeah, because he definitely got arrested. But... No, no, but what I'm saying is Grub and Kearns took him. Hmm. But then the lab gets burnt, and then he's in a car. Yeah. And they're like, you're under arrest. And he's politely, because you only see it from his, his angle. You can see the actor waiting for the moment in which he can say his lines of dialogue. He's like, what? No. That's absurd. Like, it's just like, and then it fades to black. And you're like, I guess that's the end of that scene. Oh, wait, didn't he take him back to the yeah. boss? And it's like, you're absurd with your idealism. <laughs> well, I don't remember. You're absurd with your idealism. <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> that's right. But wait, isn't his office in the same building okay, as okay. the lab? I know this feels all incomprehensible to you people, but this is this movie's the, the equivalent of a madman having a corkboard for a wall. They have a bunch of pictures on there of separate images with yarn attached to each one and in big letters, Stardust. Because we're just trying to connect all these things. Like, like yeah, he does get taken back to the British boss guy and he's just like, where did you put that chip? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. And he's just like, you got a lovely family. Shame if something happened to them. And he's like, no, not my family. They're good people. And he's just like, too bad. Let him go, grub. And then he gets arrested for right, burning right. down the thing. I've got mates in high places, so you're going to prison forever. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your freedom, you idealistic fool. It will be very, very short. The whole point is this dad gets arrested and we get some really haunting scenes of him in prison, might I add, throughout the movie. Not too yeah. much. But it is like, what the fuck is this? Did we enter some other movie? <laughs> like, when we had Shawshank Redemption, we kept joking that he was in the same universe as Prison Break. It would be like, wouldn't it be funny if Wentworth Miller was in the next cell? Yeah, and I believe after the arrest, arrest scene, um, we do get some of these shots and then we realize. Oh, then there's a little twist with these shots, Ryan. They yeah. they might not be real. They're dreams that are being had at the same time by our main character and the mum. Was the older brother also having this nightmare? No, he. I don't think so. <laughs> we don't know, but he woke up at the same time in the middle of the night as them. The family all have dreams about him, but they're really. Uh, esoteric dreams because the one that stuck with me is the son imagines his dad in a prison cell but he imagines him in a full suit but with no shirt on underneath so it's just a suit jacket and pants but no shirt on underneath and I'm like 
Oh, and I remember shirtless, and I'm just like, what is well, this? He's behind bars, and then it jump cuts to him in front of the bars. Yeah, he's, he was, sort of fades out. I think it was at that point that I was like, bars. this is like an art house film, but it's not. An I think he said this is like, what is this, like a Neil Breen movie? I think because that it's shot, very Breen. That shot, I was, and I'm not the one that brings up Neil Breen in this no, podcast. The Breen, that I'm was the like the expert. one time where I was like, oh my god, that reminds me of <laughs> Where's Neil he going to eat cans of tuna? Like... <laughs> But really, our main character is his dweeb egghead son, who's this precocious boy genius who's got braces and can't act to save his life. With the advent of such high technology, the possibility of successfully creating living machines is no longer an impossibility, but very probable. Living machines, very probable. If the theory works, the obvious dilemma is how to make the two interface with each other. Also, there's the question of the soul. The soul. We hard cut from mum and son cuddling in bed, consoling each other of the fact that the father's in prison. Hard cut to dog vomit on the floor. Did we not talk about the brother's room? Oh yeah, the brother. Oh, it's in it's in ultraviolet light. Yeah, he like he, plays his guitar in ultra in his room. He's wa- bathed in ultraviolet. He wakes light. up and we assume that he also had a nightmare. But then he just sits up on his bed, gets his guitar, starts playing, and yeah, the whole room is that's, ultraviolet. That's also blue. the only time we ever see that guitar. And that room, I think. In that room. I was joking, like, what is he, a drug addict? I mean, no one to shoot up in there. Will's like, it's so he can know where the scorpions are. We go from all this weird dream stuff and then the the consoling of family and then we hard cut to close-up shot of dog vomit on the carpet next to where the chip is and just a vacuum cleaner just smacking next to them, smacking right up towards the camera, trying to get this chunky dog vomit. And they break, they break the vacuum cleaner, trying to get dog vomit in there. Or so they think, but what's actually happened is it's a biochip. It's gone in there. And since there's biomatter in, in the carpet from the dog vomit and just dust. Oh boy, the adventure of Stardust is just beginning because then they put the vacuum cleaner away. The brother is a cunt throughout the whole thing. This movie, he's a real dick during this whole sequence. They're arguing like brothers do, but then it it does a fade cut to the outside of the house, and the younger brother calls him a girl boy. He's like, "You're a girl boy." Oh, was that the line where I thought that he had like an accent or something? Yeah, but it was Will and I laugh because the younger brother's insult to his older, very masculine brother is, "You're a girl boy." I'm like, I don't know what that means. And the brother like pins him down. Pins him down next to where the dog vomit is. Yeah. And the mum comes in and she's like, "What's going on?" And they're like, "Mom." They get really serious and they're like, "You know, there's a bunch of other things, but they're basically the scene ends with them being like, mom." The vacuum cleaner, Stardust, is broken. It just doesn't work anymore. Was this this scene? Because later on, uh, like the next day, they come home from school and she's like, what did you guys do? Oh, fuck. There's just too many so scenes what, like what did this. She, what, what did she do it's in that first to scene? Break it down. Oh, in the first scene, she's like, did you actually do homework? And he's like, no, I did do it. Wait, what hold page? on. This yeah, page. Yeah. Really? What's on this page then? I don't know. And then she basically scolds him. He's like, you're doing the dishes. And the kid goes, no, dishes? That's bogus. And throws his hands in the end. And then it fades. 
and then it fades, and a bunch of shit happens. I know that the next the next time we see them is the beginning of the next day where they're like trying to feed the dog. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. He's got. They're late for school, and it's like we've got to. You got to feed the dog, so it's like he goes over to the dog bowl to get put the kibble in there, and of course he doesn't. He gets barely any in the fucking bowl. It's like an infomercial. It just <laughs> spreads everywhere, uh, and yeah, the mom's he... like, "Don't fucking put that shit in the bowl now. We're late to school. Just sort of brush it, it into, into the, the closet, or something. the closet, in the cupboard, <laughs> and, then, then... and that's where Stardust, the vacuum cleaner, is." The kid goes to school, and we get introduced to Gus Fring, who's his chemistry teacher, which I found very, very delightful. Mm. Uh, and, oh, okay. So, so we're going to jump around, but the chemistry scene... Okay, now imagine this. Now imagine this at home. Imagine this. I know what you're going to say. Kids, like, these kids are, what, nine years old? Probably, yeah. Nine years old, let's say. Let's be generous, say nine. Years. Let's say, be generous, yeah, nine. They're all in the lab at school. You know, you got Gus there. He's eccentric. He's got a perm and a pencil moustache. And he's scolding some kids for not paying attention. But imagine this. So this is a scene in which, oh, you know, our main character kind of shows off that he's brainy and knows more than the teacher. But while this scene's happening, there's just a giant snake (laughs) slithering around the classroom. And there's a huge, huge snake. And it's not like this classroom looks like it would have that snake in yeah. that classroom. So, so Bartek, uh, we were all laughing, but Bartek said very, like, in a very serious tone, which was perfect, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, of course, the snake. Ah, the snake, of course. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I looked at him just like, what? Did I miss something? <laughs> and then he laughed, and then I realized I, I was the fool. And the scene ends with the snake wrapping around the teacher's feet and him going, ah. My goodness. End <laughs> <laughs> scene. <laughs> How did the snake get there? I think he, he al- let it out. I think he almost trips, but really nothing happens. And I think he blames a certain bully character <laughs> who is, we find out, the son of the janitor, Mr. Butts' yeah, well, son, he, Randy Butts. Well, he literally just gets called Butts and we're like, oh, that name again. Is, that, uh, unless, is there a Butts uh, Unless it's in this universe in which people just say Butts a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, butts. Yeah, what is it, sir? It's it, like, it, no, I'm talking to your butt over there. It made me... And then later on when... Well, very soon after, there's gonna... This is jumping ahead, but we'll come back to the chronology. Um, The the mum is buying a new vacuum cleaner, and the vacuum cleaner seller is the janitor. Mr. From, butts, yeah. yeah. The ex-janitor, anyway. Um, I didn't immediately catch that it was the same guy, so I just thought like that there was a whole Butts family <laughs> There's dynasty so of many some but- sort. It's like it, the, the O'Doyles of this film. If you found out that the, te- the town was called Buttsville, would you be shocked? Better than uh, Betaville. Better than Betaville. So, 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 eventually, the mum finds out that this vacuum cleaner is now broken because they've vomited, they got the vomit in there. <laughs> but here's the best part. She goes to the cupboard and she trips over backwards. 
over the dog food that's been left on the carpet, but it doesn't work. Like, when you see it, you're like, that wouldn't happen. Like, you wouldn't trip like that. You wouldn't have the momentum or the spacing or whatever. So it's just, like, another one of those where you could see it go to black and white with a red X going through it going, Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever had a fuck-up son who couldn't get dog food in a bowl and you've tripped over it and you've hurt your back? Call me, I'm a lawyer! <laughs> uh, yeah, and at this point we did see some shots of the vacuum cleaner sort of coming to life trying to eat the dog food and the dog simultaneously trying to eat the dog food. And that's when we realised that this is a movie in which it's not about space travel. At all. We realise it's a movie about a boy's best friend which is a vacuum cleaner and that scene in which it comes to life in the uh in the cupboard is very reminiscent to some scenes in E.T. Uh so I was like, oh this is gonna be like an E.T. type movie in which he forms this bond with this uh vacuum cleaner, whether it's gonna be like a pet or it's gonna speak. Mm. At first, when I say at first, I mean for ninety nine percent of the movie it is an animal, it purrs, it makes cooing noises, it hisses. So it's like an animal. I'm like, oh it's gonna be like a Boy's best friend is his vacuum cleaner. Yeah. That's what I thought the movie was going to be. I think that's, that's the scene in which we go, oh. That what it, that's what it felt like. And especially soon after we've done The Adventures of Roborex, we kind of accepted that. But really, when you think back on it, it nope. it's just more of a MacGuffin thing. It, it, I don't know. I think it's just like, oh shit, we named it Stardust. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta do something with the title i guess we're locked into that title yeah th- this is a pretty crazy film there there aren't any like random one shot scenes with only one shot no the whole the whole movie's insane from beginning to end i know i was alluding to the next crazy scene <laughs> where the mom no no <laughs> no it has butts the main kid and a certain other character outside oh. so a scene it randomly cuts to a scene of our main kid charles and the Butts kid. Butts just, Jr. Yeah, just fighting out on, like, some nature strip on the street. And do you guys remember what stopped this fight? <laughs> well, one, I want to mention, when he is fighting him, he's singing as well about, Charlie, Charlie, your dad's guilty. Charlie, Charlie, your dad did it. Charlie, oh, that's right, yeah. Charlie, <laughs> your dad's in prison. Charlie, and he's doing that for like fucking ages, and he's just yeah. And there was singing him. during the dream sequence earlier. Then, so I forgot about that. And then the most surreal thing. <laughs> okay, imagine, imagine this again. This is a downward shot, so that we're looking. I mean, it's an upward shot, so we're looking up at them. Like, at the bully hitting our kid. So the kid's in the lower part of the shot and the bully's in the centre of the frame. Behind the kid, you see, like, there's a fence. And you see, for a brief moment, some old lady, all in black, with short hair, quickly walk past and she's looking. And I went, oh, that's weird. And then the next shot is an extreme hard cut close-up of her face screaming directly at you, going, Get off of him, fat boy! And I'm just like, whoa! But it was this crazy old lady just screaming at, Get off him, fat boy! And then the kid ran away, and she's still yelling. We never see her again. I don't know why it's there, but I love it. I love it. And then, from there, the kid goes back home. Oh, that's right. The kid goes back home. And his clothes are ripped up, and he tells the mum, oh, you know, Randy Butts, or whatever his name is. No, no, no the mum, 
is very, very salty about the fact that the vacuum cleaner is not working. Uh, so yeah, she it has asks, sentimental value. Yeah, so when she asks, when he enters, she asks him, what all happened? right, explain what happened. He talks about how he's closed and he's all injured by being like, but he, he attacked me. And the mum sternly says, enough of that. I'm tired of hearing your lies. <laughs> now tell me about this vacuum cleaner. And you're like, what? The mum is a real cunt. <laughs> Just an utterly vicious, venom-filled cunt. <laughs> you know those 1980s movies where parents were completely oblivious to what's happening? No, this is one where you can't even call that. She's, like, she's willingly ignorant. Like, she's forcing herself to just be an absentee mother in this regard of listening to what's happening and just not taking her kids seriously. Like, oh my God, she's just such a terrible mum. But here she is talking about this vacuum cleaner and the other brothers there and the brothers there too. Was that one of the surprise he was there all along? Yeah, the there's the many film? times where it cuts and then, oh, that character's in the room too. I didn't know that. Yeah. The mum... Gives this legendary speech about why she can't get rid of the vacuum cleaner. Because it's not just any vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it's not like a vacuum cleaner that you could just throw away. See, this vacuum cleaner is special. This vacuum cleaner is unique for it has sentimental value. And we just were like, no, it's a vacuum cleaner. Shut up. But then she gave this speech even more of like... Yeah, my my parents, you know, my father got it for my mum on their fifth anniversary. And for years, she was wanting... For, I remember for years, she was wanting a vacuum cleaner. And when she got it, she was so happy. And, you know, then I inherited it. And I'm like... Uh, I'm trying to think how old she was when her mum got the vacuum cleaner. Like, you work on the assumption that like, she's five and what? Well, she can remember all of this? Listen up, you two. This is not just any vacuum. This is a lot of sentimental value. This vacuum was my mother's. Now, I remember the day my father, your grandpa, gave her that. It was his anniversary gift to her. Their fifth. <laughs> she wanted... A vacuum for so long. You should have seen the look on her face. Woo! She was delirious. <laughs> That's really touching, Mom, but do you think maybe you could spare the details and just dole out the punishment? And we go to him eventually meeting the black kid that's on the cover of the movie. But he was walking home when he met him, so that must and, have been the next the, day. the black kid's, like, imitating The him. black kid's imitating him across the street. And this Mirroring him. And the kid's dressed in all army clothes. And we've never met him before. This is yeah. like the first time we meet him. But the character, the main character, talks to him like we have met him before. Like, oh, you're that kid. And I'm like, mm, no, we don't know. And he's like, you're that kid who speaks German, right? And we're like, okay. And then the kid, for most of the scene, speaks in German. We don't get subtitles. Yeah, they have a German conversation. And then he ends the conversation with like, but do you speak English and the kids like says yes, but in German. Yeah. And then he's like, "Well, speak English, Kraut." Yeah. Just to, <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, when he asked him if he speaks English, that was also in German. So the first line we get of their conversation in English was, "Then why don't you speak English, Kraut?" <laughs> and then 
They shake hands and believe they're friends now. And then suddenly Butts is there. Butts Jr. Oh, you hear him off screen. He's off screen. I (laughs) seem to recall seeing him for like a bit. I swear he's just a disembodied voice. I can't be sure. And then you hear his voice by him saying something like, Oh, look at these two! (laughs) And they're like, oh no. But I thought for us, being Polish, Bartek... I said this in the episode. Oh man, this is what we've the Polish people and the Polish and German people have been waiting for. We've been waiting decades to see a black Polish, uh, a black German boy shake the hands of a Polish boy. That's 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 reconciliation <laughs> right there for you. This film is hard to pin down because we've had movies on this show that uh, last episode we did Finding Emo, which was a documentary on a level. That one was hard to figure out because it was hard to figure out a chronological structure to talk about. This movie does have a structure somewhat, but why we're having such difficulty is because it is so fever dreamish. It's got no rules of storytelling logic. For instance... At one point, we had to rewind the film because we were laughing so hard. Yeah. And we found out we were like 45 to 50 minutes in, and that shook me to the core because no story had happened yet. Like, no actual thing had happened yet. Just things, no actual storytelling things. Like, oh, this is what the story is. And then there comes a point later when we had to rewind it again, and we're like 10 minutes, 15 minutes towards the end. And I was like... Shit, I don't think we're going to get one. And I don't think we did. I don't think we actually got a story out of this. So one of the reasons I'm having difficulty to discuss this is because usually in something like, say, uh, Wobots Christmas or The Adventures of Roborex or Meteor Apocalypse, or any of these ones that we have done that are narrative-based, there is a narrative to discuss. So then the, chrono- the chronological structure of yeah, it is easy to follow, follow along. But this... Just has a bunch of just things in there, but it does have a, a story. Like Will said, "Oh, go and help me if you ask me to break down the synopsis of this movie." And honestly, I don't know what the synopsis is. It's just you, you think, "Oh, it's going to be a boy and his best friend is a vacuum cleaner." No. Oh, you think it's going to be about a dad having to evade a secret agency? No, like you think it's going to be about a family that's broken, maybe rekindling their relationships. No, you think it's going to be about two boys discovering their love of science and friendship. No, you think, oh, maybe they're going to overcome this bully. No, you think it's going to like everything. Like Apart like, from the bully thing, it's like 5% of all of that does happen. But but no as well, like just no, 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 no. So this is one of these movies in which, you know, th- their friendship, the two boys, just happens because the, the the movie requires that this is, it's for kids, so they have to have kids in it. And then the black kid disappears for a while because but then we're stuck with the main kid again having relationship issues with his mum, who's just an absolute bitch, his brother, who's an absolute dick. He doesn't visit his father in prison because, I don't know... That's actually the explanation we get. There's a part where the mum talks about how she visits him often and you guys are calling out her her out on, like, why don't you bring the the kids? And then, yeah, there's a revelation that the kid just doesn't want to for some reason. And we never find out what the reason is. Yeah. It's just, just, when the dad asks him, he just goes, I don't know, when he does go eventually. And that's the answer. And I guess it works because he's a kid. I mean, that could be a legit answer, but I don't know, in a film... 
you need more than that. This kid's so precocious, you feel like he would know an answer. Or give yeah. an answer. I think the kid mentioned his psychologist, who we never meet, said not to go, but I. That's not really an explanation. That kind of just raises more questions. It raises the, more questions. The fact that I didn't even remember that says how much the film thought about it. The, this this is a hard film to des- describing. This film's plot is like falling down the stairs. <laughs> I love a, every time we have Will on for this experience. show. I love every time we've had Will on for this show, which is twice. He described a movie as falling from something. First, it was falling out of the bed, not realizing that you did, and this one's falling down the stairs. We see this friendship bond form. We see this friendship form for one scene, then they kind of dump it and then bring it back five, six scenes later to focus on the kid having issues with his brother and his mum, which don't really pay off in the end. Not particularly. Uh, at a certain point, the brother like antagonizes them once for one last time and then he discovers the thing about the vacuum and then he's just fine. So then the vacuum cleaner, you have the whole series of things where he discovers that the vacuum cleaner's alive because they threw it in the trash where a cat lives, apparently. But it's got a collar, so it's something. A a very clean-looking white white cat cat. with a collar, but it's just sitting in in a bin (laughs) that's, like, three-quarters full. In the garbage. And I was like, it it, it started pouring at at Stardust, and it started, like, moving and purred back, and then it fell over, and we heard, like... A weird, like, and we're like, did it hurt that cat? But then we found out, no, Stardust is making that noise. The cat's fine. Mm. But then I got confused. So, so it has this nozzle on it, and we get this really dramatic shot of the nozzle being crushed by the garbage truck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh no, not this nozzle. I about that. And then Stardust somehow goes into that basement we don't see it we just know it uh, somehow sort of got there wandering around the streets after the nozzle scene uh, oh yeah in like in a rubbish bin turned over it's sort of that's right that's right and parts are like this is like stop motion but uh, it's i <laughs> so, so so i forgot wait, all about I, that i don't think i because the nozzle got crushed in the garbage truck and there was like whimpering noises but then later on <laughs> yeah. he's wandering the streets I guess the nozzle without guess, the nozzle I don't know what happened I guess the nozzle had sentience as well and it died shit, when you brought up the fact that it was in the rubbish truck that just like triggered all these neurons in my head it's like wait a second how did it how did all this happen dude then? Dude, dude I haven't even gone to the diagrams yet <laughs> so, <laughs> so Ryan, yeah, you don't don't put the cart before the horse. <laughs> so, do you like that, listening people? That's me using a saying correctly. Uh, yeah, get used to that. So, the boys in the basement. Oh yeah, that's right. He takes his friend down to the basement, which has like keep out genius at work. At yeah. work, and he's like, "Who's the genius? It's me." And the Kid rolls his eyes. He's also a terrible actor. Well, the, he's nervous the other in boy. this scene. And then he opens up the door and there's like a laser dot on his fucking face. The only time we see this, by the way. And he's like, don't move. It's like, why? Why? You're going to get hit by the decapitator. And he's like, what's the decapitator? What's the decapitator? Oh, yeah, it's like a saw blade on the ceiling. But we don't see it for so long. We just yeah. get this shot on this one kid's face. Like, what is it? What is it? And the kid's like, it will cut your head off. I'm like, I think that. We figured it out. And then he does this 
what it thinks is an awesome camera shot of it moving down and then swooping up to show us the the saw blade. It's terrible. It's just like it's just like you can see like it feels like they've taken it off the tripod to do this, and it's really clunky. And you think, oh, this is. I actually thought. Oh, okay, they're setting this device up, so when the bad guys do eventually come to the basement to discover this, they're going to get attacked by it, or something like that. Nope. It's just there. That's only for that one scene. The closest we get is later, the brother goes in there, and he looks at it, but that's it. No! Don't! I didn't disarm the decapitator. The decapitator. Whoa! I said don't move! Do you have any idea what the decapitator will do? Decapitator. And while they're downstairs, is that when Butts Senior is upstairs selling a new vacuum cleaner? Yes, so Butts Senior... Is now a vacuum seller. Is now a vacuum seller, and the mum's finally decided she needs a new vacuum cleaner, but she's not sure about it. Because is it safe to own a new vacuum cleaner? And the guys to reassure her, it's safe to own new vacuum cleaners. Is it though, right? <laughs> well, no, evidently, because she doesn't purchase it in the end. But they're downstairs, they discover Stardust, and he's whimpering and moaning, and they're like, yo, whatever. No, no, no. The, yeah, yeah. The black kid runs away because he was scared off by the decapitator. He's like... You're crazy, man! And he sprints away. Yeah, because so, of his post-traumatic stress. Post-traumatic anxiety was what he called yeah, it. That's right. And then our hero finds Stardust, brings him into the lab that he owns, and starts fiddling around with him. And he's like, what's going on? It's it's so alive. And there's electricity, and but it's, it's not, not plugged, plugged in. in. Yeah. He opens up the vacuum and it's got internal organs that and was, everything. Again, a kid's movie. It's got internal organs inside of this vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And they did look like paper mache. Not, <laughs> not convincing internal organs, but they're there. And they have this whole set piece in which he's figuring out how it works and what's going on. He's discovering this chip in it, but he doesn't know what it is. Upstairs, Mum's having this goofy, goofy adventure with the vacuum cleaner salesman, Mr. Butts, and he's all like, smell the carpet, smell that, that's a pound of flesh. <laughs> yeah, human skin. Uh, skin. And, and, yeah. and then he's, and she's like, eewee. <laughs> and then he's just like, yeah, right? So that's why vacuum cleaners are good. And she's like, but is it safe, though? Well, well, well. And he puts a bunch of marbles on the floor to be like, here's how you do it. And as soon as he sucks up the marbles, that's when downstairs, our kid has decided, what happens if I plugged him in? Maybe he needs to charge, and that causes, like, an electrical discharge, and the vacuum cleaner upstairs explodes all the dust into the guy's face, and it's really yeah. funny. And one of the marbles down his throat, I think. Oh, like yeah. Throat. And then the mum and the brother have to give him the Heimlich maneuver, but they decide to do it together, so they don't go behind him. They go one on each side, and they interlock their hands and just push on his <laughs> chest, and that works. Yeah. Now, I'm no expert on the Heimlich maneuver. I've never had to perform it. Yeah, it's not but really. But I, I didn't know that you could do it with two people doing it. Well, Stardust says so, so. So it must be correct, <laughs> isn't that right, Will? This this is your proper OHS first aid training. Will, if you started to choke and Bartek and I it took our hands by your side, would you be 
reassured in the fact that you're going to live? No, I'd be fucking dead. <laughs> what about when the marble shoots out of your throat? And then and, I'd be reassured. And then I, as the brother, react like, Ew, gross! Because <laughs> that's happened in the movie. And you make a lot of meme-worthy faces. So that happens, and then she's like, Get out of my house, because... Well, there's a whole conversation you, with the son. Oh, and- fuck yeah. She's like, What did you do? Get out of here. And he's like, Oh, I swear, it's all crazy. And then the sun comes up. And this is this fucking awkward, ham-fisted speech. Really awkward. Where he's just like, your dad was a hero. He was great. Too bad that he did the crime. And I didn't help him. And I didn't help him. And he's in prison now. And he cost everyone their jobs. And the mum's just like, uh, uh, uh. And he's just basically <laughs> like, your dad fucked everything up. You are fuck up. But now not- I sell vacuum cleaners. But the mum, she's just like, well, biotech helped, you know, help some people. You know, and others, they didn't. Some got to have yachts while others got dinghy boats. And it's kind of indicating, like, Mr. Bots is the guy who has a yacht. And they're the ones who have a dinghy boat. And I'm just like, the guy sells fucking vacuum cleaners. How much dough do you think he's fucking rolling in? He sells fucking vacuum cleaners. You used to live in your three-story house. But he's fucking vacuum cleaners. The script, the script was clearly trying to get the mum to, like, complain about the higher-ups, but the way that she delivered the line... The way that she delivers lines. It, but I also yeah. think in that scene, I don't even think that. I think it's because you find out later people did get payouts. He got a payout from it. Mm. So I think it's... But they didn't, right? Because he's the guy he who did the crime. Yeah, yeah. And she, But she's indignant about it. Like, no! I understand why, from a standpoint of a business, they wouldn't give you a payout because your husband did the crime according to the law. Yeah. But she's still like, you got a yacht. Like, you're the yacht guy. We're the diggy boat people. I'm like, fuck off. She's just such a bitch throughout. But I kind of loved her. She was just so <laughs> apathetically performed as well. Like, she just did all these faces. This is the movie that I call, yeah, keep that take in. Because I kept saying that throughout. Like, yeah, did, that, that, yeah. yeah, that take. Keep that one in. That was real good line delivery. Or that shot was not in focus. Yeah, keep that one in. Those reactions were good. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, really... Close close ups as well. Oh, it's like a Danny DeVito movie where everything's in like fish eyed lens close ups. It's just so intense. And there's one where like the mom during the when Butts the Elder is trying to sell <laughs> a vacuum cleaner to the mom. And she's like, there is like a really big close up, and then she like she steps back or so it's like, get that fucking camera out of my face. <laughs> that's how it felt. She felt like, geez, that's in my face. I'm walking back. Because <laughs> she kind of walks out of focus. Because it's just so great. Yeah, that, that that that's the kind of shit that was awesome. Where you know this movie is incoherent, but it was hysterical throughout. Like we were in tears, laughing at just yeah. vernacular that's not used. Like like there was one line, and I can't remember the exact phrase, but the kids said it about the dad, and it was something like it had the word pearl in it or something. I can't remember. He said like. Oh, yeah, this is a real pearl handle. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> There's something weird like that. Some really obscure thing that I've never, ever heard. Keep in mind, this is a PG film. This for is for kids. Relatively young people. This movie is primarily a lot of... It'll cut to a scene. The scene will last five seconds. Fade. And then it'll cut to another scene. And that one lasts two minutes. 
Fade. Yeah, a lot then of... we'll cut to a scene that goes for six seconds. Fade. There's a lot of fade to blacks, then fade out of blacks. There but a... then there are also jump cuts. But then there was a fade to white, and that really threw yeah. us. We're like, oh, yeah. is it the end? Because usually that's what movies at the end do. If it's one that do all these fade to blacks. But my god, it felt like a David it felt like a David Lynch Neil Breen movie. But also if they were if those two filmmakers wanted to rip off E.T. But also didn't want to do E.T. because I don't know. Stardust is not a character in this movie. Like, like it doesn't, not until like right at the end. Yeah, it doesn't speak until the very end. So, but this film does have some ballsy moments to a point in which we had to rewind the movie because we laughed so hard, and I laughed primarily because Bartek was so taken aback. Because when Bartek gets taken aback by a movie, it must be really crazy. Because oh, I think I know you're a lot more serious in tone than I am. Like I, 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 I easily react to yeah, I know, crazy yeah. stuff. While you're a bit more like, mm, you know, that was pretty crazy. But you, you were like nearly out of your chair, being like, what about this it was one scene? So out of sudden. Like, there's out of nowhere, but then there's sudden out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, well, the main kid, Charles, was alluding to the fact that he had Stardust, but he wouldn't say what it was. He said that he'd only tell uh, the best friend... What's his name? Ricky? Ricky. Ricky that... um. Ricky, oh, yeah. He would only tell him what it is once they make a pact. And I, and I think then he just made, like... I thought it was a joke, like, a blood pact. Like, he put on, like, a bad Romanian accent. Yeah, he was like, sealed a pact. In blood. A pact. Zealed in blood. And, you're, and the kid laughed. Yeah, and it was, like, silly. Then it cut to, a kni- like, a knife. A, a knife from a Swiss army knife. Yes. Being, like, held over a Bunsen burner flame. Yeah. And we were talking, and so we couldn't really hear what they were saying, but then they started cutting the tip of their fingers. And... We had to their thumbs. The they thumb. slice yeah. their thumbs with a heated blade, and blood is spewing out of their fingers. But the kids don't react too much to it because they're acting. Right? They're a little awkward about it, but other than that, they. And we were like, "What?" And you, you were, you were hysterical about that. You were, you were in hysteria. You were like, "What?" What? Because nothing in the film was indicating that anything like that would happen. This film's only PG. The message on the cover literally just says what PG is. Nothing specific like low-level violence. One of the previews mentioned that we saw at the beginning mentioned that the film had low-level violence for that preview. I don't even know if this is low-level at this point. I mean, it wasn't... When I think low-level violence, I don't think blood. I think a punch. Yeah, I... This has blood in it a lot, too. Blood, internal organs, a lot of weird shit. But yeah, they have this blade over, and he, the main kid cuts his thumb, and then the other kid, he's like, do it. And he's like, I don't want it. And he's just like, do it. Like, and that would... like, Ricky's like, okay. And he doesn't so chill about it. And then he, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't react at all. Like, Charlie puts a little bit of a, ah, but like, Ricky, I don't know what's going on in his family, like, but I, that kid <laughs> is not afraid and does not Stone feel pain. Cold. If I watched that as a kid, I think I'd be a little unsettled by that. I think it's too impressionable as well, because it's like, oh, now they've shown us how we could do it. Yeah. Because I, for one, when I think blood packs, one, you think of them like cutting their hand or finger and then combining them, but they don't do that in this movie. But I've never really thought of heating the blade up to do it. I think, oh, you just do it with a blade, right? Yeah. But this movie showed me, no, do it with a hot knife. I guess to soften the skin? But also burn you. 
Would I don't know. If the blade was hot, would you run into the problem of potentially cauterizing it? That's what I thought too. Please, listening people, no one try this. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you were the filmmaker of Stardust, please email us and tell us why. I guess lightsabers are only a little hot then in Star Wars. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. Because uh, there's that thing in what was it, the first one where he, uh, like the New Hope, where he cuts off a guy's hand and blood spews out of it anyway. I forgot that. They do a blood pact. I've never seen a kid's movie do a blood pact and actually show the blood pact. I feel like oh, that's... this threw me for a fucking... <laughs> I feel like that's something that we would have seen on, like, one of those kids' YouTube things. Like, yeah. oh, s- surprisingly creepy Mickey Mouse blood pact. But this isn't played up for creepy either. This is no, just like... it's played straight. The thing is, that ma- what makes this more uh, disturbing is it's played for sincerity. They this could... is supposed to be, like, a heartwarming moment in which these kids heat up a knife and slice themselves open with it. Like, it's as if they just, like, made, like, a pinky promise, like, oh, never tell a lie, stick a needle in the eye, and it's like, oh, yeah, if we thought about that literally, it would be creepy, but it's just, like, kids making a promise, but they go the full route of just getting a little bit of blood, sticking their bloody fingerprints on a piece of paper, folding it, and it's like, there, blood pack made. And did the piece of paper have writing on it, that, and, and it was graphically designed for this blood packed event? It was specifically, yeah, designed for the blood pack. It's a proper contract. With this sacred blade, we join our blood in trust forever. Do we really have to do this? Throughout all of this movie, this kid, the main kid... Charles. Charles, Charlie... He doesn't really... Him and his family don't really act as if they're a broken family in regards to their father. The father's in prison. They only do that once they have to go to the father. You get a moment in which, like, the bully bullies him about it, but then it doesn't really affect him afterwards because the mum doesn't want to fucking hear about it. And he even says... He, the, the people in this town, they bully me and they say that dad did it. And she reacts like, he did not do it. Don't you ever say that again. Don't you ever doubt your father's innocence. And it's like, that's not what he's saying. He's saying other people are saying this to him and he's bullying him about it. But the mom's just like, don't you ever. And that's the most you get. The rest of the film, you're thinking, you know, for a kid whose father is in prison for something he didn't do, he's really just having a great time and wacky adventures with no real reactions to things. Like, even in a wacky movie like like this, I think of something like the film Matilda, where there's wacky adventures, but she has, like, this terrible, abusive family, and that is still in the movie. Like, that still, like, comes back to her character. But she can still have wacky, fun times, but it's not like they just don't acknowledge it. This movie, they just go... Eh, unless let's, we need a dream let's sequence. Let's feed Stardust some baloney, and then he'll shit on the brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really strange, though not quite as strange as the scene where Stardust shits baloney on the brother? <laughs> you, so, you'd think they're a broken family, right? Or on some level. Yeah. You'd think maybe, oh, the father going to prison would be the source of that. But early on in the movie, the older brother is like, we were a family before you came along, pipsqueak. So it's like, it's not like the father being framed for arson and going to prison. It's like, that's what's broken this family. It's the youngest son being born, apparently. It's like they're a broken family because we interpret certain interactions with them as being, oh, of a broken family. But it's almost like the film doesn't think they're a broken family, even though it's giving us evidence. And the thing too is, the dad goes to prison... 
we see that we see that, but we don't have any idea of how much time he's been there or how much time has passed since this incident because it's a whole thing. Like Biotech gets shut down, they're under investigation, they do this lawsuit and payout. So have years gone by? Because all this kind of stuff that they're talking about. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito is very clearly comfortably in his role as a teacher, and they know him. So. Yeah, and and he had a payout and all this stuff. So it's like, has years gone by with this, or a year or so? Like, how much time has gone past? I feel like not much because of the development we see of Stardust. Because they do establish at some point in the film that he is progressively becoming some sort of end product. Yeah, it's hard to say because... And also, st- how long would it take them to vacuum up that ship? Maybe they're just lazy and too depressed because Dad went to prison. Parts of it, to me, imply that it's been years and then parts of it imply that it might have only been weeks. <laughs> Honestly, it feels like it happened yesterday. <laughs> like, 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 It was like, yeah, Dad went to prison yesterday. Like, he got caught it and then did. he immediately went to prison. Because you're right, the chip's on the carpet, but what, is it there for months on end, years on end? I don't know. It feels like it all happened, like, in two days. That's how it felt to me, but yeah, then when we started the podcast and you brought up all these people that used to work with him all have jobs now, that really raises questions. Do you want to take a break from the plot to talk about the decorum of their house? <laughs> because you guys were really into I that. loved this house in terms of I fucking hated it. This house is like... It's like something Tim Burton would create, but even he would say it's too garish. <laughs> like, like, get this. Their lounge room, one of the walls is black. Painted black. It's a blackboard. It's a blackboard looking up. Well, no, I think it's an actual blackboard. <laughs> I thought it was a literal blackboard. And, and there's these red candles. Oh, no, sorry. I'm thinking of a different wall. And there's these red candles. And then there's like this thin red stripe that goes across the wall that lines up perfectly with these fucking candles. I'm like, was this designed? Same kind of red. But then... This is near the kitchen, the doorway to the kitchen. But then Bartek and I thought for the longest time during the scene, there's this giant circular mirror. But then we realized, no, it's a fucking circular hole in the wall that goes to this kitchen. But it's too high up for Mm. it to be useful. Like if you wanted to pass something through or whatever. So it's like really high up on this wall. Yeah. So it wouldn't even serve for the function of passing things through. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't work for that regard. So it's just like, what is this? They have, like... Uh, in the kitchen, though, they have, like, this fucking big yellow door that goes to the backyard. Yeah. But then the walls of the kitchen are metallic so that they can use magnets. Through all the shots that we get of the kitchen throughout this film... <laughs> There is just shitloads of stuff everywhere. <laughs> I mean, the big yellow door has that leads to the backyard has shelves all over it, There's... a bunch of appliances <laughs> yeah. and things. Yeah, it, it almost looks. On it. I mentioned that it almost looks like the inside of a refrigerator. <laughs> it did, like it the did. the shelves on the door. There's a yeah, and there's a part later in the film. I think it's the last time we see the kitchen where the mum reads a note that they left her on the actual fridge. Yeah, but there's so much stuff there that it didn't. No, no it's not even a fridge. That's the wall. Yeah. Yeah, the wall. It's a metalli- yeah. metallic wall. Don't do. Don't give it credit that they put it on the metallic fridge. No, the metallic wall. There was so the much whole stuff the wall, wall yeah. is metallic. I've never seen that before. Yeah, but the point is, there was so much stuff there that it didn't really stick out that much, and it was a little tricky to read. So it was good that she read it when she took it. 
I'm sure I'm sure we've missed stuff that was in this house. No, no, no. no. And then we go to the brothers' uh, ultraviolet room. But then my favorite, which is when I said, "Oh, go fuck yourself." The mum's sitting in the lounge room, which we have seen with the black wall, but this wall with the lounge is a giant white wall that's covered in splatter paint. Yeah. Like, it's huge. And they're just, like, leaning against it. I'm like, what the fuck's this? (laughs) You say splatter, it kind of made me feel like they put a bunch of paint up then just let it drip down. It looks like a paint studio when you go into an artist studio and the floor is all covered in paint. That's what... It's a giant... on your fucking wall. A giant wall with just a bunch of paint dribbling down. Now, let's give the idea that this room has four walls... That is just one of the walls. The other wall is black, and the other walls are made out of wood. (laughs) Fuck, what is this? We are, you know, with the kid, they've got Stardust. Stardust is this inanimate object that's slowly growing. They need to feed it things. They decide, shit, we've got this thing but what is it they don't know so they hack into the dad's computer by using the word hot dog yeah and he sees oh my god it's top secret that's why mum doesn't know about it but earlier we had a scene where the mum goes i don't know about it it's top secret (laughs) so so they hack in and they find out it's this biochip that's used for and honestly i don't understand what the application of this biochip would actually be so you put it in machines and it makes them Organic and self-aware. Bio-organic, yeah. Oh, wait, Bio- no, they explain the applications of this. They, if you put <laughs> it in your lawnmower and it makes your lawnmower feed off the grass, <laughs> yeah, that's the only application they give to it. And the military wants it, so... Because, no, the, the Texan, military needs the to Texan, mow their grass. The Texan wants it, so he can give it to the military. <laughs> he wasn't from the military. He was just some, he was just some guy. We never see again. Now, I know what you're saying. Hey, Ryan, you've discussed a lot of things. What happened to that British villain? Oh, we don't see him for quite some time. In fact, we forget he's in the movie. He's like an Act 1 and Act 3 character. Barely Act 3. like Act 1 and Act 5 character. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say it's 15 acts. So we go from, from there. They discover what it is. But then they go, well, we need help with this. Who can we trust? And since it's like one of those movies, they go to the school to ask their science teacher for help in one of the most pandering scenes in all of film history, in which they're talking to Gus Fring. And they're saying, we can't enter the science fair. And they want to tell him because we've got this sentient bio-organic machine. But throughout the scene, we're seeing him, him stroking... Close-ups of his hand, yeah. Close-up of his hand, stroking his... No, first it's a close-up of his hand, he's got this massive ring on, and it's a massive ring that says, Biotech. Yeah, which if we the haven't... the name est- of the company. Yeah, if we haven't established, that's the name of the company. That's the name of the company, that's the evil company, and we as the audience go, oh, okay, that's good. Like, you know, okay, fine. But then they cut to another shot of him stroking it underneath, kind of just being like underlining the word biotech. <laughs> With some sinister music. <laughs> yeah, and it's and since it's got played by the guy who plays Gus Fring, he's always just very sinister in his line deliveries and his facial expressions. He's really young here too. Yeah, he's very, he was very sincere, I think. Though. I don't know, in that scene he felt sinister. Right, and yeah. when he was scolding children, he was very sinister when he did it. He's just like, Mr. Butts, do you not take this seriously? Because he's a guy who really articulates words. So that makes him menacing. That's a part of 
his charm as an actor, like Christoph Waltz, right? You know, there's these people. But then he puts his hand on the kid's shoulder. We don't get a close-up of, like, say, the, the shoulder shot of the kid and his head turns and he sees the ring. No, no, we get a far-away shot of the just the whole corridor and the kid just kind of briefly turns his head over and then turns it back and then they run away from the science teacher. He's like, he works for biotech! They, they, they just like, He's evil! They just, like pussy out in a way and just be like oh we haven't started and he's like oh that's surprising well all right off you go good luck i guess i'm gonna go back to uh, my favorite is i'm gonna go back to work but then him and uh, charlie and ricky have a verbal confrontation about what just happened and and, and gus is still standing there hearing all of this like he hasn't left so they're kind of giving themselves up on what's happening and then later on gus is like yeah i'm aware because i kind of heard all this like, well, he no, he saw it on the news. He saw it on the news, and he's like, "Oh, this all makes sense now." Because he, he I saw, saw something this. that happens later on the news. Actually, yeah, <sighs> falling down the stairs. At some point, they have the the baloney in the shit scene, and the brother decides his outset of that scene is, "We have to see our dad." Yeah, it was really weird because he gets covered in shit, <laughs> <laughs> like green shit, my man, <laughs> like animal shit, and he just and the brother solemnly goes, "You know what, guys." I think it's time to see Dad. They make this weird thing where Stardust and the Dad are connected. Yeah. So when they try and take the chip out of Stardust, the Dad starts getting physically ill. Yeah, like in his stomach. In his stomach. And when he does, this is just one time. Oh, yeah, this The Dad starts screaming, God, <laughs> God, God. And the God sprints over. Is this your favorite character, Ryan? One of many, because yeah. uh, there's just too many. I've probably forgotten half of them because there's just so many. This guard oh, runs yeah, over and he's yeah. just like, what is it? What's wrong? I know the food's bad, but what's up? And the dad is just like, I'm sick. And he's like, oh, okay. And he calls, another, he calls other guards. But the problem is they already had the extra guard there, but they didn't want to show. So she was like, t- like five meters away. Five, it's kind of like no, she's just standing around the corner. Like, like he's standing at the cell, and she's just, like, standing at the other cell, basically. She's like, what's up? And then the scene ends. But they want to go see Dad and get things done. I mean, there's a whole bunch of research. The kid goes to the library. There's this really Jewish guy that kind of kicks him out of the library during the day. He's like, we're closing up. And it's like, it's fucking 12 o'clock in the morning in the day. He's another character like the the lady on the street who just, like, appears out of nowhere in a close-up frame. (laughs) I I made so many jokes about him. He's like, come on, we gotta close up. I gotta go to Shiver. (laughs) Like, He's just so incredibly Jewish looking. So then, they want to go see Dad in prison. Yep. And how does that all pan out, Will? I need a deep breath for this. All right, so they go to see the Dad in prison. They're all together. They're meeting in a room with a bunch of bars around it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, doesn't God. feel like a meeting room. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know how in movies usually they have the glass, the yeah. this is on one side. The, no, this is just a room with a shit ton of bars in it. Yeah, it's like a jail cell, basically. But beforehand, they bring up... Yeah, the brother starts talking about Alcatraz and the rock. Game <laughs> <laughs> the rock, man. He's like really into the fact that they're visiting a prison after just being serious. This prison's just like Alcatraz. And then the the brother or or the black or Ricky brings up. They like gang up on him. They like the bring up the point. It's like we're prison. Are like are prisons in movies like Alcatraz because of Alcatraz or was Alcatraz like that built like, like prisons from the movies? And the brother and the, says, and then, but, 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 but the brother reacts like. Hey, come on, guys. 
You egghead monosyllabic idiots. <laughs> I'm like, Speak English, you monosyllabic idiot. Was, was this the scene where he called him an, a festering uh, zygote? I think yeah, it was? <laughs> the younger brother calls the older brother a festering zygote. But then the brother, when he gets told out by like, yeah, but what about that? He goes, you thinking about too much things, eggheads. Put that in your monosyllabic pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and then I can't tell if it was... At that point, <laughs> or later on, the brother says, well, maybe you'd know more if you weren't thinking with your third leg. Which <laughs> yeah. is bizarrely adult. Charlie, the main character, <laughs> says that to the older brother, which is weird because we've never had that vibe from him. I, I think, <laughs> And then he goes, well, at least I've got testosterone. <laughs> I think, Ryan, when he said the thing about the third leg, you actually were like, that's a pretty good line, but it's not appropriate to the film. <laughs> no, but, it, it is appropriate. It would be appropriate if they built that character to be that type. Like, if he was like a Danny's Zuko type, that would work, right? Mm. But we need to rewind. Yeah. We need okay, to rewind. So, so we're going on Alcatraz and the Rock, and then they're like, "I've moved." A prisons like, a prisons in real life like prisons because of movies, or a movies and are prisons in movies like prisons because of yeah exactly. actual prisons, which seems a bizarre fucking question <laughs> to raise. But then, like, I guess it's the proverbial chicken or the egg or the <laughs> horse and the cow. <laughs> and we all fucking lost our shit. I think I didn't. I didn't catch it at first, but then you guys brought it up. I'm like, I oh said, my god! Yeah. I said, I think I said out loud. I'm like, but the horse definitely <laughs> came before the cart because it's alive. Like, put, when you put the cart before the horse, it's about. Practicality, the cart can't pull the horse. Yeah, it's not about time. It's, it's not that. temporal. <laughs> it's not it's not like hey, which one came first? It's the cart or the horse? Carts don't give birth to horses and horses <laughs> don't give birth to carts. Horses don't hatch from He's carts. Bartek said, Hey, can we rewind the scene so that we can get the other lines? But then you said it when the scene ended. Bartek was sincere and I gave him an answer, which was was that line with the horse cart thing kind of to highlight that that kid is not as smart as he thinks he is? And I'm like, no, 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 no. They think that's what that means. <laughs> that's what that means. And then we all start laughing again because it's just so fucking absurd. I don't remember saying that, but it sounds Yeah, right. yeah. You were just questioning because you're like, you, you know, I think in all fairness, when we do this show, you, you, you want to, you personally, I feel like you want to give some of these films more benefit of the doubt than I do. I'm a bit more like, that was just fucking bullshit, but you, when we watch it, but like, you're a bit more like, oh, but were they trying to do this? Maybe? Like, mm. I feel like that's more of our dynamic, where you want to give, like, that scene, you want to give that kid the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were trying to indicate that, that's, that the kid was actually stupid in that moment, and I'm like, no. But throughout this whole sequence, Will... They do talk to the father. He comes in. He's yeah, dragging. Sorry, that wasn't actually anything important. That was them. <laughs> that, that was them waiting for the that, dad to be brought by that the guard. Thing, that's, so the, the, that's a prologue to this scene. Okay, so the dad <laughs> gets brought into this strange meeting room, but the British villain and his mate—no, his henchman, who's a different henchman from Kearns and Kurtz and Grub. Yeah. He's, he's Frederick. He's suddenly got a main henchman now. He didn't have one before. Why <laughs> do wears a three-piece suit? They're like behind this fake wall. In the prison, they can sort of see through it, and I and assume they it, can apparently. hear through it. But when they're shooting it, it really seems like it's just a bit of paper in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, it's Frederick watching and listening, and Arno, the British guy, just standing there asking, like, "What's up? What's going on?" So the father and the sons, they have a little bit of an emotional moment. This is where we get the explanation of why did you never visit me in prison? <laughs> and it was like, I don't know. 
But they do have an emotional moment. But it's like he wants to assist them. Yeah. With Stardust, the. Well, they want to tell him about it. Yeah. He wants to. Yeah. Yeah, but But he's like. But they know that they can't say it out loud, so they have to subtly, like. So the dad has to blink in Morse code. With one eye. To inform them. While speaking about, like, whatever at the same time. To tell them to go see. A guy called Suck. A guy from Suck. Go see Suck. Because he's a comrade. (laughs) Was it R Suck? No, no, he just said, go see Suck, and right. then they figured it out. He said, but, go see Suck in Morse code. But, but we don't know this because primarily a lot of the scene is cutting to the British bad guy saying, Seb, what's happening? In, uh, what is happening in there? And the Fredericks is like, uh, well, he's just rubbing his high and blinking strangely. But they're just talking about it. He's like, blinking strangely? Oh, Frederick, are you idiot? Out of the way so I can read it. And I'm like, what's... And then the scene is basically like, oh, well, he gets dragged out of the cell because he talked too much in Morse code. What a weird scene. Like, you start with the rock thing, and then the chicken and the egg, and the monosyllabic pipe smoking, and the horse and the cart, the the Morse code, the the, them watching that. That's one scene. Think that's what the movie's like. Yeah, well, um... If your brain wasn't relegated to your third leg, maybe you could think in more than monosyllabic terms. Well, at least I have some testosterone. Put that in your monosyllabic pipe and smoke it. We go from there, Bartek, to the chase sequence in which the kids, for some reason, go to some random fort-looking building in I the middle of like nowhere. A, one they, of those things that's got a power generator. Yeah, It's like they wanted to get away from the prison to like so that the... Two kids can explain to the brother what was going on, like what the Morse code meant. Yeah. Where they explained the suck and everything. And that's when Arno and his henchmen were chasing them. They had a directional mic so they could hear their explanation. But they didn't actually hear it. Yeah, I know. They put it down just before the important part. Yeah, he just went, over there. They were using it to find out where they were, not what they were saying, which is stupid. And these kids, what are they doing? They just chilling out, I guess. They were the just, they were just, yeah, they were just explaining the whole thing about suck and everything. Because we, as the audience, did not understand the Morse code. So this was an explanation to us as well. Mm. And then the the two guys just come up there and they set a Rube Goldberg trap for them. You know how easy it is to set a Rube Goldberg trap. You could do it in a short amount of time, yeah. evidently. There is a scene as well in which they go back to Stardust and they, they're discovering that it is um, gaining the ability of intelligence and they look more into the dad's files and they have, like, the great scene of Charlie going to Ricky, like, yeah, look, look, it's all here. And Ricky's saying... I think it was Ricky or Charlie. One of them said, yeah, it's right here in these diagrams. And then we see what the <laughs> diagrams were. And they were not diagrams. They were just they like were, atoms. Or they like were animations representations of, of atoms. atoms. And we're like, that's not diagrams. <laughs> like, they're like so stern about it. Like, <laughs> look at these diagrams. And I'm just like, oh, right God. Right there in the diagram. There's no data there. I said, I said to Will, I was like, hey, Will, look at this diagram. And then I just <laughs> gave him the finger. Because that's what this movie is doing to us. It's like, hey, look at this diagram. Fuck you. Bartek, could you tell us about the beauty of the vacuum repairman Arsak? Yeah. And how he connects uh, to the father and all of his importance. I'll try. It's it's hard. I've given a lot of responsibility over. Good luck, Bartek. You'll you'll need this is Bartek, I salute you. Good luck. Rest in peace. Yeah, speaking of saluting, so they enter the store and 
they they it's a very dark looking store and our suck is in like a little side room that they enter mm. and for like a whole minute we only see him from behind his head and maybe like the side sometimes it almost felt like in Seinfeld when George. George, George was talking to his boss at the stadium or the sp- the sports guy. Yeah, or when it was Fidel Castro one time. And the whole thing there is, yeah, we don't see his face, but he also talks very quickly and he speaks in this, like, militant voice. It did remind us of Seinfeld because the boss also talks. Like, he's very caricature the way he talks. Like, yeah. It's definitely the most cartoonish speaking character in the film. He's the most cartoonish character in the movie, and that's saying a fucking lot. And he's completely bald, and he's got these tattoos yeah. all over his head. Yeah, I think he's meant to be some sort of Vietnam veteran, because he has a like short poem as one of his tattoos, and it starts with, In Vietnam. But we couldn't read it all, because they never showed us that angle of his head enough, but they had it on there, so why did they have it on? Yeah, so, this we, guy was- so we don't see this guy's face... Until one shot where we just do. We were postulating, oh, maybe there's something fucked up with his face. Maybe he's got a face tattoo and it's really horrible. And maybe they're not going to show us his face. Or when they do, it's going to be like a dramatic thing. And as soon as we said that, just next shot, it's it's just him opening up Stardust and it's it's very casual. It's a shot of Stardust. Then the lid opens, and then in the gap that was created from the lid opening, it's his face. But the way you just described that, it yeah, I realize makes that it sound dramatic. more majestic than what it was. It was a lot more casual. Trust me, it was <laughs> it's, not it's, majestic. It's just a way to describe it. It's like when you watch The Room for the first time ever, and you just meet Tommy Wiseau's character by him just getting on a tram. Like, that's the equivalent of how yeah, majestic it is. Yeah, and he doesn't like, stand out or anything. Yeah, he's just like... And then when you first meet him, he just walks in. No dramatic... Hi, babe. Hi, babe. <laughs> Hi, babe. <laughs> so what's this scene doing? What else is happening? So he's repairing Stardust or looking into it. What's going on? Yeah, he, he's looking into him and they're just giving a bunch of exposition about Stardust. And I think he's... Re- was there a relationship between him and his dad? He just knows the dad somehow. We did don't know used, why. Did they used to work together? Were they in Vietnam together? <laughs> I don't know. They just He just knows him. He's like he's all like, your dad's a hero. What he did, oh, he knows for a fact that his dad didn't do it. Mm. Because he apparently was with him. But we never saw that. So we don't know why yeah. he knows Suck. And we find out is later. Is he in the same vacuum business as Butts Senior? Like we don't know. Well, see, Butts is a salesman and he's a repairman. Pam and so so yeah. they specialized in different areas. Here's the thing. I hear someone going, but Ryan, didn't you mention that the scientist dad at the beginning was talking to someone on the phone? Maybe it was Suck. No. It's Gus Fring, it's revealed at the end, was the one that the dad talked to on the phone in those those opening sequences. So, rule that out. What was the conclusion to this whole... Suck character? Suck oh, visit? Uh, oh, because... Because something happens to the store, right? Oh, yeah, he, 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 um, he plugs in Stardust, and Stardust uh, goes crazy. Yeah, it goes haywire, and all the vacuums in the store go crazy, And right? then, uh, dissolve 
to black <laughs> and then fade up from black and he's on the news and the kid and the brother and the mum and the mum are all asleep at home <laughs> that was really on bizarre the Arsuk the <laughs> character makes no sense he just tells us things we know already and then he leaves and, and then he... doesn't he get kidnapped and it's shown in the news footage and we never Wait see him minute, again they never follow that up He's dead, Will. He's fucking he's in a, dead. He's in a ditch by the side of the road somewhere. They put a bullet in his tattoo. So, um... Fuck. So, yeah. We and, get... and Giancarlo Esposito sees that footage. Which is on the news at that moment, because it's live news. Yeah. I guess he must live next door or something, because he knocks on their door. It must be like 10.30 at night or something. It's dark, yeah. He knocks on their door, and he's very sinister. He's like, hello. I know it's late. I'm sorry to disturb you, but I have something to tell you all. And you're like, oh shit. He's seen the news. He's seen something he needs the news to get that this was just kid. Being broadcast, yeah. And he's just like, I saw something on the news. Did you see the news? And the mum's like, no, I didn't see the news. And he literally says, it's like the room. It is. He goes, did you see the news? And she goes, no, I didn't see the news. And he goes, so you didn't see it then. <laughs> and then, and then, and you love this, Ryan. Yeah. He asks to speak to Charles alone. And no, the no mom- he doesn't even say oh, that. No, he, he doesn't. Goes, You're Can right. Can I speak to you guys? Is it all right if I speak to you guys? And the brother goes. The mum says, oh, well, I'll just be upstairs. And the and she tells the brother to like vacuum us. Or no, no, no. Something. She tells the brother first to leave. So I went, oh, Okay. They're going to, like, be the mum and the son because it's kind of awkward. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, if you guys need anything, I'll be upstairs. I'll leave you alone with the teacher who came to tell me about you on the news that I have no understanding of. I'll leave you alone with the teacher, the male adult teacher that who came to my house. implied to be the... Villain, the villains, but yeah. not to her. But I'll leave you. But just think about this. I'll leave you with the male teacher who has come to my house late at night because he's seen you do something that's so bad it's newsworthy. I'll I leave guess, you alone with I him. I guess. I guess to be fair, they were on first name basis, and he was an ex coworker. But we didn't know that at the time. No, but yeah, but she didn't know the dad's coworkers other than Mister Butts. It seems. But she was on. Uh, maybe I don't because know. he's a teacher. It's maybe. It's hard to figure out these kind of things because so, so little of the but, film but, makes but sense. But William, did Gus Fring turn out to be a bad guy? I know no, we've kind of alluded no. no. He's turns out he was the guy on the phone the dad was calling. He was his colleague. He was his friend. But does he tell us important information about Stardust? Does he know a little bit or oh, of course almost he everything. does. Under- he knows. He finally explains what's going on with the biochips and how his dad took. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Chan took out some of his brain tissue and put it in all the biochips so all of them would be good for their genetic and that's material why, and that's why because if you put your brain tissue inside another living being that'll that'll cause you to have stomach issues <laughs> if someone tries to take it out so in some ways the vacuum cleaner is his son yeah. His literal biological or son. Or a clone. <laughs> or him himself. Or just him. It's not even necessarily a clone. It's still his brain from his actual well, that's body. The whole, that's the whole debate about clones. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Are they son or are they brother or sister or what? Because Gus brings up that it will slowly but surely get more intelligent over time and reveals it will eventually speak. 
Yeah, which we were like, we were like, ooh, but then we also were like, we've got 10 minutes left. <laughs> so, too late to have the speaking. And we do, have, we do have like three or four there. scenes after that, yeah. We have, it feels like 15 And scenes. Gus also clarifies, it's like, look, I was your dad's friend, but when he was getting framed, I didn't do anything. Because I like Because money. the lawyers. Yeah, they, lawyers. They had good lawyers. Fucking lawyers. So I couldn't do shit. Holy Ho Chi Minh. And because they now realize that, oh, uh, Gus is a good guy... I can finish the science fair project. <laughs> yeah. Take your uh, experiment to the science project, but you know for a fact that a guy who helped you got kidnapped on live TV. They are after you. They've tried to kill you. They've tried to do all of these things to you, but do take it to the science fair anyway. So, you know, because they won't come there. And guess what? They don't come to the science fair. They get Mr. Butts' son to try and steal it. Because I guess it's just too hard to get grub and kerns off their fucking asses to go steal it at a kid's science fair. Which, by the way, they go to the science fair. <laughs> Before we get <laughs> yeah, to the height of the science fair, I love in movies. I don't know if... I never had a science fair... At my school, I've never mm. had anything like this where you have di- uh, uh, dioramas and di all that kind. Of, I never exhibits, had exhibits, basically. Yeah, I never had those. I don't think that's maybe more of an American thing than Australian. I can only speak from my experience. But I love in these movies, you always have these weird kids with weird science fairs. It's like the talent show in Book of Henry. Or I was gonna say uh, the science fair in Krippendorf's tribe, where he has Mila Kunis gets peed on by a pig. Yeah. But but. I love my favorite was this really apathetic girl who looked like she was 15, but she was at their age, but she was just really tall and really heavy set. And she just said in this monotone, and she just said, cheese. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. (laughs) Moving on. I was like, no, come back to her. There are also this like group of like important looking scientists with mustaches just like writing it down. I got annoyed. Will and I noticed this. Will and I got annoyed. They would write with pencils, but they were holding them to the side yeah, of the paper. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? How could you write like that? <laughs> so the kid wins the science fair, I guess. But Oh, and we see that, uh, sorry, before that, we see that Butts Jr. apparently is really good at science because he's giving this like... Yeah, complicated gastrial thing is about the intestines, and, and people are that. listening to him, and they're all like really good. So I'm guess Butts Jr. <laughs> little Butts. He's good at science, too. Yeah, but then he decides to steal Stardust? Because we find out later his dad asked him to do it because his dad is still working for Arden. Was that his name, Arden? Uh, Arno. Arno, fuck. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold! No, Arno. So, but at the time we didn't know that, so it's like, why has this kid just been going out of his way to be extra dickish? And stealing the kid's project won't make you not lose. That's what we thought. But the uh, main kid, Charlie, finds out and they're fighting underneath the table that's right next to Gus and the judges and all of that. As they're about to announce the winner. As they're about to announce the winner. And, 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 and oh my god, no, they've turned on Stardust. Yeah. And he eats the uh, Butts' tie. Remember Butts has a tie on? Because yeah, yeah. his dad wears ties, so he wears ties too. And his tie gets eaten, and you hear them all commoting, uh, having a confrontation on the table. And they, you know, they do that thing where they lift up the, the, the tablecloth, and everyone's looking at them, like, in shock and awe. And then... 
something happens and everyone applauds. But what no, was that something? No, no, no. Oh, no. Am I missing something? The most important scene. They lift up the table. They're having this thing. The tie is being eaten. Hard cut to a close-up of a security guard grabbing, oh! <laughs> grabbing, <laughs> grabbing, out his gun. grabbing a pistol. About to fire right into the open, about to open fire right into the crowd. Passing is his head hung low because he's like, oh, of course, that's the greatest scene ever. A guy, a, a fucking... God at a school fair grabs out a pistol and aims it at and children. his face is like you know he's he knows what he's doing he's like don't fuck with me kids i will shoot you but then that gets undercut because and the kid wins the science fair charlie wins science fair because stardust speaks finally and what's his first word guys the only thing he says is peace 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 it made me think of Mr. Burns and the, <laughs> the Simpsons when you think he's an alien in the woods. But he's like, I come in peace. Oh, it comes in peace. Kill it. You know, like, that's what it made me think of, the way he said it. Like, peace. And then everyone's just like, yes. Yes, we understand that it's a sentient a sentient being that has thought process, not just a tape recording inside a fucking dome. And you know what? No, they're like, oh my you, god! You know what first I... prize, he gets on the fucking newspaper cover being like... No, no, but there's something that happens beforehand. So, just to recap, guy with the gun aims at the kid. Yeah. <laughs> the robot says peace, everyone starts cheering, and then, like, you know... Seven seconds into the cheering, we cut back to the guy. He's still aiming the gun, and only then does he put it away with a very smiley face. So throughout a lot of that cheering, he was still aiming the gun. And no one was reacting. But yeah, the kid wins his fucking science fair, gets his dad out of fucking jail, basically, with that alone. There's obviously a few more things, but that is like one of the thrusts of, oh, maybe this kid's dad is innocent. But, but, but... The film isn't over yet yeah, because, because they still have to kidnap Stardust because they forgot that's a part of the movie that you would have. So fucking uh, Grub returns because only one of them returned to do Wait, the kidnapping. Wait, I thought it was the son again, but this time in like a Bella <laughs> No, Carver. no, it's Grub. He breaks into their basement. I swear it was the sun again, but and I, I'm not going to steals Stardust and takes it to the evil scientists and they start performing... I guess the equivalent of open heart surgery. Yeah. With scissors. And that leads to another gore scene in which Stardust somehow uses... Imagine this. You're having your open heart surgery. Somehow you make your heart grab the scissors, turn them around, and stab the guy through the hand. Yep. That's what happens. And the guy is like, oh my god, he attacked me. And you see blood. Not like, you know in movies when you see a guy get cut or something, it's just blood there and it's dry or it's just not moving. You don't see the wound, really. You see it through his hand and you see the blood is running. Like, it's it's dripping and it's actually pouring out of his hand. And I'm like, what? That was my what moment. I was like, Jesus Christ. It's fucking hard. And, <laughs> and that's not all. Somehow, some way, sometime, they got tied up. Yeah, because he, he grabbed with the cables and tied them up in that cartoony way. Yeah. And then they get there with the police and they're like, your dad's innocent because of this evidence, which really doesn't line up with that evidence, but innocent! And the dad's like, 
oh, I'm free now, and it's so good to be here. <laughs> like, it just ends with them, like, it ends with him basically just being like, it's so happy-go-lucky picnic time. They got on a train from the 30s. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> to go have a picnic. <laughs> I said, they're all dressed in these old-fashioned-looking clothes. The mum's got her hair done up in this old-fashioned way. The dad looks like he's from the fucking Depression. And, and, they're on this old-fashioned train interior... But the, the Ricky and Charlie are both there, and 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 I joked, God, what they go back to the fucking old country by by railroad, <laughs> like <laughs> it really looked like it. <laughs> but but then they're like, too bad we couldn't bring Stardust on the trip, and then Charlie's like, oh really? And then they just walk over like two seats away open up a box that's clearly got him in it and then they're like yay and then it fades then it fades to black again but it has the red it has the red outlining of the of what would be kind of its face like it has an eye and a mouth kind of looking thing and it says something, but we couldn't understand what it was saying. It was just like, in a girl's voice, which was weird, because they said it was a boy throughout the movie. It was obviously a woman's voice. And it, I guess it was something like, you know, peace or something. But then it fades to black, music kicks in, and we're like, oh, okay. But then it fades up again, and the kid now looks like he's two years older. Yeah, it's clearly the future. It's somewhere in the future. The actor has aged. He no longer has braces. He's got deep voice. Bartok, you're like, is he putting on an accent? I'm like, no, he's just hit puberty. I still think he's putting on an accent. This is... Oh, hello, father. <laughs> <laughs> but the dad comes in and he's like, so I hear you're into girls now. Let me tell you about this one crazy picnic I had. A girl at a market or something? A girl, I saw a girl at a market. Let me tell you about this one crazy time. And they walk out of the lab into the darkness. And we never see them again. No, no, the and the dad walks in, yeah. he walks in with his new uh, robot toy. That oh, when made, he enters, yeah. And he puts it down and the son's like, you did? He's like, yeah, but I hear you want to do it. And then, like, you know, <laughs> they walk out and you're thinking, oh, okay, nice way to end it. He says, the camera moves over and then you get like a solid minute <laughs> with this, including the credits going into black of these two robots talking about girls. Was it Stardust and the robot from the beginning? With no, the, it's a new... I think it's a new robot. I swear Stardust opens up with, like, yo, what's up? So, or maybe the Insectoid <laughs> robot starts it with yo, what's up? And then they start talking about, like, what's girls? Well, I hear men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> and then they start talking about... Girls and then the credits then face the back and the credits are rolling but they still got this conversation and then it just stops End movie End movie This movie was really difficult to discuss This movie is a fucking nightmare I said after we watched it it's like if we did The Room or Troll 2 and it's the first time you've ever had to see it and you've had to try and explain it, but you're going to be like to someone else and they're like, oh, but you're missing that scene. And you're like, of course I am. How could I miss the, Yeah. I did not hit her or the, there's a moment in this movie. That's it. There's a moment in this movie where the son says something along the lines of, eh, what's with that bird in your pocket? 
And we're like, what the <laughs> was fuck like, does that keep mean? Keep your comments into your pocket. No, that's from the oh, room, wait. right? That's from the room. Wait, yeah, yeah. Keep your comments, keep your stupid comments mice. in your pocket. Oh, that's it. What's mice with, in your pocket? What's with that mouse in your pocket? And we're like, what the fuck does this mean? But You guys also reacted to like a scene where the mum was like, have I ever told you I loved you or something? Yeah, because we were like, this woman does not love these kids. And, she's, and the kid's really upset. And she's like, have I ever told you that I loved you? And he's like, no. And then... Fools, the scene keeps going. She doesn't say it, and then the very end she says it. And I'm like, okay, finally. But this room is very hard to describe. There's too many aspects to it. It's one of these ones where it is, I feel like, a good, bad movie. Like, I think this is on the equivalent of Troll 2, if I have to go there. And it has elements of the room. Like, this is one where we have a difficulty describing because we just remember scenes. Like, of course, it's like if you watch Troll 2 or The Room for the first ever time and you're trying to recollect it, but then someone else has seen it. Like, well, how could you forget the famous I have breast cancer scene or, or... Goblin spelled backwards, you know, like you're gonna miss these things. But I feel like watch it again and again. You get, we're gonna be well versed. We have to, yeah, yeah, because this is a good bad movie. I'm shocked. I didn't think that this is what we we're gonna get, yeah, but I'm so glad. Don't call me Dick. So this comes to the part of the show in which I would say, would we recommend this movie? Will. Yeah, this is the kind of bad movie you get your mates together and you chuck it on and you're fucking, you just laugh at it because there's some there's some moments in this film like the blood pact and the stabbing through the hand and it's just it. Dialogue choices. I, like, I, editing it's choices. very difficult. Like, it's hard to recommend this just because I don't know who this is for. Like, it does, yeah. like, it it's a kids movie, but then it doesn't feel right. It almost feels like it could change the tone a bit and transition into horror really easy. Except yeah. with a fucking killer genetically engineered vacuum cleaner. But then the vacuum cleaner doesn't even but factor it's nice. into it's anything. Peace, but it's also not like maybe and like you keep thinking it's like, oh maybe I've got a handle on this. Like you said, Ryan, you think, oh maybe this is gonna be like an E. T. Boy and his uh, best friend who's a vacuum cleaner movie, but it's really not. <laughs> no, but it's, do you, but you do recommend? It, I though. recommend it, but I'm not quite sure who for beyond people who like to watch bad movies and laugh at them. That's pretty Fair much. Enough. I don't know who the audience uh, is. Not for kids, I would say. I definitely recommend this. I think get a group of people together and know that you're going to be in for a real romp of a time. This is a fever dream. I did not expect this from this movie. Never in a million years. I thought it was going to be more like an Adventures of Robo Rex, where there were some yeah. funny moments. But overall, it's a it's a decent enough kids movie. This is not a kids movie. Nah. I don't like, know. It, it wants to be, but it's just it, the execution. I don't know, I don't not know for who kids. it's for. But that's a part of the joy. Uh, like I said, I don't know the intentions of the filmmaker. One of the things with things like Troll 2 and The Room, a part of the joy of those is you you know from watching it that the filmmakers thought they were making something good. This, I can't say that. But I still don't think it doesn't make it a doesn't negate it from being a good bad movie. I don't know. It feels like at times like do these people just fucking hate kids and don't want to do a kids movie? But then there were times where I was like, are they just incompetent or crazy? I felt like these people were crazy as well. Like the acting is terrible. The the dialogue, the editing is like beyond crazy. Believe the music in it feels. Oh my god! Like at points it feels like oh this is a normal kids movie, but then it comes in and it feels like a Nickelodeon ad from the 90s (laughs) sometimes it feels like it wants to be a david lynch nightmare 
Other times it feels like it wants to be like, uh, like an E.T. type movie. I don't know, but all those things said, I loved this, and this was so... <laughs> Interesting, and I would definitely recommend watching it. And I've got two copies of it, so you know, we're gonna, know and we'll you know probably watch good. it again at some point. Yeah, uh, with a group of people, it's insane. Definitely check out Stardust. This is great. Exactly the same thing from me. Great for the good bad movie fans, uh, but not for kids. Bartek, you you have the knowledge of knowing what film this what year this film came out. You yes. have the knowledge of n- knowing the year of the film's release. Mm-hmm. Will and I do not. We have to try and guess what year it came out. But before that, Bartek, before you found out, did you have any estimates of the year yourself? Yeah, I was thinking in the early two thousands range. Um, so I would say maybe two thousand one. At the time, I was thinking maybe 2004, but it really did look kind of oldish, so... Okay. What about you, Will? Yeah, God, it's, um... The the era can be... feels a bit hard to pin down, just because I have trouble believing I st- it's an actual film still, even <laughs> after having watched it. That got a DVD release. Yep. Of some sort. Um, I think... On multiple platforms maybe of DVDs. Early 2000s, maybe late... 90s? Uh, pick a year. you gotta, you got to stab pick it. Pick a year. Alright, I'm going to stab it right through my hand. For some reason, my brain's digging up 1997, so I'm going that. 97, okay. That's my guess. For me, throughout the whole movie, I was like, this feels like a Frankie Muniz era type movie. Like, this mm. is a low-grade 2000s movie. But the one thing that made me think, no, was... Gus Fring is in it, and I've seen him in a few things other than Breaking Bad, like The Usual Suspects, and that's in the later part of the 90s, if I'm correct. And uh, that movie, he's young, but he looks younger in this. And so I think it's early 90s for my money, and I think I'm just going to say 1993 because that's when I'm born. That's when we're born, and I just want to say that because I just feel like... It's, yeah, I don't know. But you want to be the same age as Stardust. I want to be the same age as Stardust. So, Bartek, hit us with the answer. What year did this film actually come out? You know, we've all made our guesses, but you're the one who has all the answers. Yeah, yeah I know. The suspense feels like it's taken weeks. <laughs> this film, at the end of the credits, it actually says that it's from 1999. Okay, so it's from 1999, confirmed. It yes. did say that. So, Will, Will, you know, I was way off. You were pretty close, as was Bartek. So, 1999, the end of the millennium. Oh, that's pretty interesting, yes, you know? But actually, Ryan, when I was doing some research that we never do when we do these episodes, but I did this time for reasons, hmm? it turns out that this film actually came out in 90, oh, 1998. Well, it was made in 1998, at least. 1998. Yes. Whoa. Okay, so, so, so... <laughs> Okay, that makes more sense for this movie to say that it's from one year but be actually released in another. That adds to yeah, I guess the it's... ingeniousness of Stardust. So, Will, as always, a pleasure to have you on. Good to be here, guys. Great to have you on. Uh, as always, you guys have been fantastic, amazing, wonderful listening people. You can find us on multiple platforms. We're on Spotify, iTunes, uh you know, Google Play, we're on YouTube as well, we've got our social media, we're on the Facebook and the Twitter, uh, we've got an email, spit and 
polished at gmail.com if you want to drop us an email about something, anything, I don't know, death threat if you want. Uh, I would love to read a death threat on here. That would be great. You guys don't know Stardust, and I'm coming after you. What? <laughs> they are? And then, and then, and then it's written by Men Love. <laughs> but we can't possibly beat them with just the three of us. Exactly. So this is the part of the show where we're going to wrap it up, but we can't leave the room, Will, until we defeat the person who's giving us the death threat via our Gmail, which was spit and, and polished at gmail.com. Uh, uh, we can't leave until we have four people, one of which has to be... So there's three of us, but we need someone from the movie Stardust, and we have to choose who do we want as our knight in shining armor to save us in this quest for peace. Bartek, peace. Who would you want? <laughs> I mean, if we're really going for a quest for peace, it almost sounds like we have to pick Stardust. But um, is that a character, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Not until the end when they're talking about that's puberty. true. That's true. <laughs> um, it's hard. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Um, because even if I do want to pick a funny answer like the library guy, he didn't really do much. You told him to get out. I don't know. I feel like the person that talks the talk the most and might be able to walk the walk would be Arsak. Okay, Arsak. What about you, Will? Oh, oh, I knew as soon as you said it. It's like, I want the security guard. <laughs> that guy's ice cold. The one from <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, the one fair? who whips out the gun and maims it as the children, well, even once I'm, people are clapping. I'm, I'm a softie. I was going to go with old lady that screams at you <laughs> to get off him, from fat boy. Right. Uh, wow, it's a real... It's a real Sophie's choice with who we got to go for, but I, I, I'm gonna, I don't know. I, I, I personally am leaning towards Bartek's option. Ah, suck. Ah, suck was. I, I kind of like Will's one. <laughs> Will's one. Now you're flipping. Oh boy. Oh, but then again, if we get the security guard, he'll probably defeat the deaf red person, but How? he'll probably also shoot us. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He'll be like down on the ground, fuckers. Let's go with Arsuk, because okay. he never got a resolution in the actual movie, and maybe this is his redemption arc. Mm. So, we have a death threat email, guys, and we have to reply to it. So, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my move, which is pressing the reply button in the Gmail, and, use it and writing the title, which is, Dear Maker <laughs> of Stardust, period. How dare you? And then, and then, uh, and then I'm going to CC it mm-hmm. to to the producers, um, um, Gosfring, uh, Janine yeah. Loveman, I think. Janine Men Love, Love Men Love. Love. I'm going to chuck in like the lead actor of the Polish Dad and Jackie Chan, just for good measure. <laughs> <laughs> That's my move in in composing our email. <laughs> 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 Um, I'm going to add on to the email in the, in the subject description. Um, I'm going to type in MFW, you send me a death threat, and then in brackets, refer to attached image. <laughs> and the attached image for this email is going to be a gif of, um, but senior's reaction face. When he's uh, awkward in the um, the monologue, the, mo- the 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 part where he's trying to sell the vacuum cleaner. Fair enough. Will, how are you gonna continue on this scathing email that we're giving to our death threat? Or are you even gonna add to the email? So I guess we got the body going here. We got the actual body of text. Or yeah. Has that begun. Yeah. Hmm. 
What do you want to say? How dare you send me a death threat, <laughs> you bastards at the Men Love Clan. <laughs> you don't get to dictate my death. I'll die when I please. Thank you very much. That's great. And then, and then, I suck. I suck. Kind regards <laughs> from the Spit and Polish team. And then at the bottom, you know how sometimes you can have, uh, you can, uh, on in emails, you can put a digital, digital signature. signature. Yeah. He puts ours, which is bloody thumbprints. <laughs> 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 From Spin and Polish Presents. And then, and then four bloody thumbprints. And that's our email sent. We sent it. Didn't get a reply back because it went straight to their trash. How awkward. We we kind of lose on that one, but in the end, aren't we the real winners? And then Arsite goes and shoots them. Oh, uh, then he no, then he uh, just fixes a vacuum clean. Doesn't really do much to. But he does it very loudly. Oh, he, and tattoos everywhere. Yeah. Tattoos everywhere. Well, until next time, people, remember to be kind to each other. Shiza. <laughs>